This episode of Lightning Strikes Thrice is brought to you by our incredible patrons, patrons such as Samplos and Camilla. If you want to help us keep making the show like they do, you can visit pitchdrop.cash and contribute as little as a buck a month. We really appreciate it. Listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, the JRPG Games Club podcast that is always well lubricated. This is season nine, episode seven, covering the Balam Garden Civil War in Final Fantasy VIII for the PS1. I am your host, Matt Marcus. My pronouns are he, him, and with me today is Local Waterfall Inspector Sybil Arnett, she, her. <laughs> Ryan Beatty, they, them, and reader, I need you to know that I'm scowling. <laughs> Uh, Justin Carroll, uh, he, him, resident Mecca dad. <laughs> Mecca Welcome, dad. new guest. It's nice to be here. Yeah. So since you're uh, new to all this, uh, or at least, you know, the show, uh, you want to give us a little background on, um, you know, your history with Final Fantasy VIII? Sure. Uh, I grew up uh surrounded by uh video games and jrpgs and uh final fantasy 8 was one of the oddly contentious things in my home funny enough to say uh there were a word there were like specifically (laughs) separate parties in my household of people who were pro final fantasy 7 and pro final fantasy 8 and then the next couple of years after that they were pro final fantasy 9 i as a as a young person, I was only nine years old when Final Fantasy VIII come out, came out. I was like, hey, the music is great. The mm-hmm. character designs are awesome. This music is awesome. I could give two shits about this story. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I was nine. Yeah. yeah. No, I, <laughs> I get I. Yeah, absolutely. I had I had great reading comprehension back then when I was a kid and I was able to like read the entire story, but I just didn't. I didn't understand. And uh, recently I had a renaissance with a good friend of mine. Him and I had spoken very for hours, literal hours talking about his journey going through Final Fantasy VIII again. And that's another reason why I was very excited about coming onto the show is because my eyes, there were scales upon my eyes and they uh-huh. fell away. I see Final Fantasy VIII now as if this game had came out, if this game was recreated, pulled out of history, remade with current graphical standards and voice acting standards and all of the same music and everything, I feel like it would be one of the most final, one of the most popular Final Fantasy games of all time. It is one of the most Final Fantasy games. It, it is, is definitely is a Final Fantasy fun. game. This yeah. really was. Oh, I'm so, I'm the so most glad. game. I'm so glad to hear that because um, I, after being as kind of skeptical and critical as I could have possibly been during disc one, am now fully FF8 pilled once again. And think, <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. After, after all of this, I will be downloading the most recent version of it on Steam. It's 
skyrocketed up my backlog priority list by like leaps and bounds after talking to my friend about this for literal hours. Very excited to talk about this so in depth with you guys. Basically, yeah. relooking at some of my childhood memories on this and mm-hmm. seeing what seeing what all of y'all's like critical and jokingly like the discourse on this i i fell i refell in love with the game that i hadn't played for 20 years and i haven't played again in a long time and i'm going to come in i'm going to go walking into a game that's 20 plus years old and be excited to see what's going to come my way again i'm going to play the Hell game yeah. right <laughs> well the question is, what is right? Because there's right as in the most effective way to play. Then there's the most fun way to play. And then there's mm-hmm. like something in between. Like, no, here's, here's the right way to play this game. You get Lionheart on disc one. That's it. That's what I did. This is the first time I've run this game so many times. This is the first time I did Lionheart disc one. And I'm, uh, I'm going to do Lionheart disc hard. one. I feel like that I'm 32 years old now. I can finally just sit down at my desk and play this game like an absolute gremlin. <laughs> and get Lionheart in this one and just be happy for the rest yeah. of the game. So, I mean, honestly, by the time you get enough in oils to get the energy crystals, you have all the cards you need for anything else you want to do for the game. Exactly. So, so like at that, I very mean, excited not, about It's that. only like a couple, two to three hours or something if you really uh, want to commit to it. Yeah. I I haven't run into any goddamn Gizards, um, and I need screws so bad oh, for no. everyone's weapons. They're and all, I'm um, so... they're in the plains in Galbadia. Yeah, well, I I can't go back there yet. You know, we oh, don't have an we right. don't have the that's airship right. yet. So, well, if if you play if you play a little bit of cards, geezer cards like one of the earliest cards you can get, and they all turn yeah. into screws. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, have, I have tons of screws. I've got triple triad trauma uh, going on. Um, there I is haven't, no triple triad trauma. <laughs> Let me tell you the number one thing that I remember about my childhood when it comes to Final Fantasy VIII. Triple triad fucking slaps. It, yeah, <laughs> that's a contentious thing on this podcast i'm if, sorry I, my I think word is law as the guest <laughs> <laughs> if you lose your best card to a guy who then disappears from an area for plot reasons uh when you're like uh, fuck it i'll come back later uh you'll you know it's like yeah we i lost i lost coming, baby <laughs> Why did you make the heroin gesture? Oh, I'm putting that triple triad right in my veins. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I, I hope you card modded it first because I, I don't think it'll really like fit in there. But anyway. All right. So what happened last time? So the crew woke up in the Dieterstrick prison and through the power of fists, poor acting, and some furry friends, the Seeds and Rinwa broke out but not before learning that Idea was going to nuke both Balam and Trabia Gardens. Squall decided that they needed to rush back to Garden to warn them of the incoming missiles. Meanwhile, headstrong young Selfie took a team to disrupt the missile launch. Unfortunately, they were too late to thwart the first volley headed towards Trabia. Luckily, the crew managed to infiltrate the base and tamper with the missiles, and do not prevent the second volley from launching. They find themselves trapped in the base as it explodes. Okay, I have to ask. I wasn't here when this series first started happening, but I'm having a very difficult crisis of 23 years. Is that how you say Renoa's name? <laughs> That's how this has been an ongoing thing. Just yes. Okay. It's, it's been an ongoing thing. Like Don't quinoa. worry about it. Nobody yeah, says I... it out loud. 
I have no reason to believe anything else. Okay. We, we, this is this, this is, is the series that lot. gave us Titus. That's yeah. That, it is the series that Do gave us Titus. Do they never say? They don't know. Do they never say her name in Dissidia? That's what I was. That's the first thing I said. Is like they must have said her name in Dissidia. But anyway, I've never heard a clip of it spoken. Yeah, it's it's not. It has not happened often. And I don't think she's a character in like Kingdom Hearts, right? Like Selfie no. is. But yeah, no, she's because, not good enough to get in there. Yeah, because Selfie owns and Renoa yeah. is fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. So last episode we recorded without Ryan. Uh, so I wanted to get your quick take on uh, the D District Prison and Missile Base, which is yeah. the section you missed. Okay, so first of all, Windhill looks a lot like. Uh, an FF8 version of uh, the small town from FF7 where they all did what? Uh, Nibelheim. Uh, Windhill and Nibelheim, similar vibes to me. Uh, always cool when JRPG houses actually feel like houses, really like the bullet holes in the walls details. Uh, yeah, in I Windhill. forgot to mention that. That was ridiculous. Yeah. How many bullet um, holes are in that, <laughs> in that house? So many bullet holes. Uh, Laguna's civilian fit is uh, sick. However, Kiros's civilian fit makes him look <laughs> even more like a sci-fi nightmare than he already looks. He looks like a just. He looks like a Cenobite essentially. Uh, we can all just sit back and just appreciate the drip. It's there. Yeah. It's real. It <laughs> uh, touches your soul, and it's like nice and flexible because you know Kiros is like moving around and slinking around and attacking, and just it's all staying put. Everything yeah. is nice you and cannot fucking jam down to man with the machine gun unless you're wearing comfortable clothes. That's true. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, you don't um, want to be in the club, you know, something a little too tight to, you know, shake it. Totally. Also, I'm very curious about the romance between Laguna and uh, Reyna because it really seems like he's just PTSDified himself into loving his caretaker, which bums me out. Um <laughs> Huh. Okay, so uh, D District Prison, not as interminably long as I remember. That doesn't mean that it's great. It just meant that it went by shorter than it did in my memory. Um, we have much and, more patience as adults. And and the identical room section is an even smaller portion of that. However, number one, the squall and cipher torture scene. <clears throat> yeah, that's a word I to am, say about that. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm just not homoerotic it, enough. Nothing. Yeah, well. (laughs) (laughs) There's not enough, like, lightly dancing your fingers on your on your victim's bare chest. There's so much subtext, but it's also so funny that this is a year after the Metal Gear Solid torture scene, which is also extremely homoerotic. What was in the water in the late 90s? Um, Why? Why are uh, anime rivals sexily torturing each other with electric shock tables? Um, Who knows? There was some of that in Xenogears, too. Yes, indeed, there was. Fuck. Oh my God, I forgot about that. Okay, also, extremely dumb that all of the weapons are just lying on the floor with a couple of yeah, guys in, like, in a circle guarding them like their purses on the floor of a nightclub. Happy to see Irvine coming to the rescue, except... I didn't notice ever that his vest was technically a crop vest, and you can see like mm-hmm. a little like triangle of just midriff. Just a little bit of his little midriff, just a peep. Yeah, that's, just a that's little peep. The '90s, baby. So, that was the yeah. '90s. I thought it was incredibly funny that uh, their escape cars were gendered: uh, women in one car, <laughs> men in the other car. Uh huh. 
I am incredibly confused as to why there would be a setting on a missile launch control panel that would make uh, your missiles more prone to errors. That doesn't seem like very good engineering at all. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, Selfie fucking owns uh, way much more of a character, like a fully rounded character than I remember. I just remember her like being cheerful because she has to be cheerful or else she gets sad and loves to blow shit up. And those are her three character traits, but it like blends in a much more well rounded and great way than I remember very happy for the selfie content during the missile-based uh, shit. And finally, feels really weird that they were trying to make Moombas the new Chocobos. Yeah. Um, like, they really tried to make another Final Fantasy mascot, and they're these weird, like, short, sentient tiger things that walk on mm. two legs and do the bidding of the Galbadian army when they're not being tigers. It just bizarre things anyway yeah and it gets are... weirder it, the boobas get weirder right. as we go on if you and then they if get you recall and and then freaking chocobos are still there so yeah mm-hmm. and moogles well there's a moogle there's a yes. single moogle in, in the moogle. entire game i'm sorry i <laughs> i no i i just went to check because i was gonna say they can't have been trying to push them as a new mascot if there wasn't merch and yeah, okay, they made one action figure of them at one point, but <laughs> among the on. suggestions as I look this up is, how do you get a Moomba girlfriend in FF8? <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> oh, I, I was, no! I was so busy shuddering at uh, the, the AO3 category for Squall and Cypher, I didn't even think about Moomba girlfriend <laughs> AO3. Oh, no, that's, no, that's just one of the Google results. <laughs> Good you Lord. physically wounded me. <laughs> <laughs> I am in the ouch zone now. Well, it had enough uh, responses that it was the top hit. That's hurtful. Well, at a certain point, you just kind of have a morbid curiosity, right? You just, like, just got to be like, I have to click this to see what happens. <laughs> well, I can't. I don't, I don't know spoilers. <laughs> that's true. Right. Oh, one last thing I forgot to ask you, Ryan. Who? How did you split up your party? Um... I went Squall, Quistus, and then hmm. Selfie, Irvine, Renoa, I think. I think that it, yeah, that, okay. because it felt thematically appropriate to have the OG Balam Garden uh, trio save their home and everyone hmm. else go stop the missiles yeah because i i mean there's a lot of content here that relates to if renoa is with you mm. uh in in balam so i mean i have thoughts on that but uh that's gonna come up a lot so i was curious if there'll be anything that we mentioned that plays out differently with a different oh breakout. yeah that will um, be that yeah. will be a good question I, I know there was one part that is definitely different uh but that doesn't happen this episode that happens next okay episode. okay all right so, Squall and the team arrive at the garden to find it in chaos. A faculty member asks Squall uh, which side they are on, and you can choose an option here. Uh, if you choose the headmaster or neither, then the guy sicks some monsters on you and leaves. 
it turns out that a full-on power struggle has broken out between uh, the uh, Sid faction, which is backed by the Seeds, and the uh, Norg and Faculty faction, which is backed by the rest of the students. Squall, naturally, is trying to find Sid to warn him about the Galbadian missiles, uh, and like a comedy of errors ensues throughout the rest of this episode where Squall just keeps needing to make his report to Sid and is thwarted even when he sees Sid. Um, <laughs> so, uh, unfortunately, no one knows where he is, and Squall's trying to figure out what's going on, um, and the team needs to run down the spokes of the garden to participate in a few fights. Most of these battles are with basic Balam monsters, with two exceptions, um, a refight with a Granaldo at the infirmary, and then uh, a T-Rexar in the training center. So, um, these are all presented as, like, you're intervening in attacks, and so... The T-Rex R is the is the wildest one to me because mm-hmm. like huh. so once again they were trying, you know, if you remember that like the overall like three-word high concept concept for Final Fantasy VIII was darkness within light, where they were trying to make the like tone of the game lighter but still do bleak shit within it. This Mm, is one of the biggest because we've got a civil war waged by child soldiers uh, and adults, but now there are literal children involved because this dude, mm-hmm. this 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 faculty member, is going to essentially purge these two like tweens that are hanging out with a seed, and the seed's trying to defend them, uh, and we're the ones who step in. It's fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> decidedly. Yeah, and like the, one of the like the little boy was like, "No, I want to fight. I, I, you know, I'm training for this too." And it's like, "No, kid, that T Rex is gonna fuck you up." Mm-hmm. Uh, I beat it at level one. He can, <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't have any GFs. You right. don't know that he might be one of those little kids who has all the ladies around him. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> He's a little young for that. A little young for that. <laughs> Okay, so I have a question because obviously I'm new for this whole series. Did you, did any of y'all go into the training area super early and farm T-Rex stars? No, mm, not this time. No, I've I, done it in the past. I see you, Sybil. I believe in I, you. I'm explicitly not farming anything on purpose. I'm trying to sense. go through the game and make it as difficult as possible while still understanding the mechanics. So I'm not like frustrated difficult. Yeah, I mean, like the the thing with the T Rex stars. For one thing, they don't show up very often, and when you do, I mean, what the only thing you really want from them is the Dino Bones, right? And Mm. the Dino Bones, the Dino Bones get turned into quakes, and quakes are super super good for junctioning. And the thing is, I had enough cards that you could mod that turn into Dino Bones. There's at least two of them, I think. The T-Rex art card and the Armadodo card both turn into uh, Dino Bones. And then on top of that, if you use one of the Brothers cards, it gives you 100 Dino Bones. So, like, there's God. just no need to do that. Uh, you just have to be willing to give up one of your high-end cards early on. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's not that big a deal. So, for like, me, I've, and I've done that in the past. For but, me and my brothers, we would always go there because we none of us really understood how important card modding was until way mm-hmm. late in the game mm-hmm. and knowing how how useful that is stuff like card mod and item mod 
on a gameplay on a gameplay base is yeah is something that we all as as for me being a very young person at that time we I really just squandered a lot of opportunities obviously and I was also mm-hmm. very covetous of cards that I had yeah it is a a level of JRPG hoarding that you've you're basically trained uh, inadvertently through playing all of these older games in which you want to keep the stuff that you enjoy and keep the stuff that you like, and when you are presented with uh, productive uses of things that you really like, you feel hesitant about using what's presented to you. Yeah. And the game doesn't signal to you that these, like, one-of-one cards, you can get them back if you mod them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, There is a way to do that, but it's obviously super, super late in the game. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to have your, you know, use all of the items that you get from modding those and then still have a complete set of triple triad cards, if you're a real sicko, uh, you could totally do that. But right. I hope you love um, the random rule. Well, just, oh, buy a, just buy a draft box like I did. Easy peasy. Yeah. Oh, God, it's literally like all rules active at the end of the game. And it's God. the worst. That yeah, that too too much too 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 many tweaks, too many knobs turned up all the way. Yep, can't yep, hang, yep. can't hang. It really, I mean, this is when I at the beginning of this season called this game a Kawazu ass game. It's not just because of the RNG and the non-surfaced mechanics that uh, are you're expected to just kind of stumble across them uh without explanation it is also because kawazu ass games are what taught me to like actually use the resources that i have and use them in creative ways because everything in kawazu games has a cost everything is limited use there's no such thing as just like a default fallback forever anything and i'm glad that i got into his games as weird and hateful as they can sometimes be because it yeah it really unburdened me uh of the too good to use disease i'm bracing myself for when i start playing the final fantasy legend games because i Mm. have all three of them on Game Boy now uh, in cart form. And uh, I know I'm playing the third one first because that was the first one I got. And I know that's the least Kawazu one. Mm-hmm. But I am going to go play all three on yeah. my analog pocket when it does show up. Two is a fucking great game. Two is a great game. One that's what is I've been a... Yeah. One is a mess, but... <laughs> well, yeah, but one is impressive for being such an early RPG yeah. on the Game Boy. Yeah. Just remember the bananas are cocaine. delicious cocaine (gasps) okay so yeah you're like intervening in all of these ambushes saving people and like they're you know demanding the faculty with the weird hats or demanding answers from you and it is it's like the sudden move to chaos and panic and intrigue is intriguing um the first couple of screens of the garden though if you just stay there um in abstract divorce of contrast (laughs) the loop of the students running around chaotically in perpetuity is very funny oh Oh, yeah. yeah it is i think just remembering that is one of the most unintentionally hilarious moments of the game. Me and my brothers and our friends that lived with us would we would try to play JRPGs cooperatively sometimes, just so that everybody would be able to sit down and see the story as it's happening. We we were all broke, so we would all go to somebody's house and play games all at the same time. And I remember that from a moment in my childhood of us just sitting there laughing at the loop. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, great. There's some really goofy ones. So 
the T-Rex are, uh, if you are at a high enough level, um, they are brutal at this stage and can wreck your shit very quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. However, uh, something that owns is uh, Shiva's doom ability. Um, T-Rexars mm-hmm. are very susceptible to that. And uh, I just like tried it on a whim this time because I was like, I, I'm out of ideas. This fight is required, basically. Like, I, I, I want to save this kid. But I keep getting wrecked by this dude that has so much health that even Quista's doing nine 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 with her magic or with her missile limit break multiple times wasn't felling them, and then I I I, I hit it with a doom and twenty seconds later it was dead. It was yeah. Great. They're also really weak to sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, meteor, yeah. and meteor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they have a ton of health though. Even at low level, yeah. they have a ton a ton of health. Uh, I mean, I like that they put this one in front of you because, like, if you weren't running around the training center, you probably have not fought this thing. Right. And then all the other battles suck. Yeah. <laughs> all of the battles here are just so weak sauce that mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, finally, a little bit of friction. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Some notes here. Uh, so, yeah. Mo- yeah, right. Like, like you were saying, most of the battles are with basic family monsters, like, like we said. Um, if you talk to the seeds that you just saved after each fight, one of them will always give you a very strong healing item. So it is worth like going around these spokes and chatting, even though they're not all required. And uh, there are also a couple of small but notable character moments throughout. Yeah, I was uh, the only thing I was going to jump in was like going back to the enemy thing is like one of the funniest moments in this section is when one of the faculty members goes, feel the wrath of this monster and it's like a jellyfish <laughs> it's like somebody's oh, come really on. into slime hentai that's weird <laughs> uh, that's not so, even the weirdest thing we find out about someone's predilections this episode yeah for that real is, that is totally right. true god you're right um i love that the hot do- that zell not being able to get any hot dogs continues even in this time of crisis if you go to the cafeteria he like yeah still is trying to get hot dogs even though you know like people are beset by the civil war it is mm-hmm. great my man has an insatiable thirst for the glizzy it happens <laughs> yeah yeah Speaking and that's not the only time that comes up this episode either <laughs> yeah uh so in the infirmary one of the seeds that you can talk to will say hi to squall uh and squall's like uh i'm i'm sorry i have face blindness and it is uh nita the unremarkable fourth seed graduate during the exam love that they brought him back uh and then Mm -hmm. in the library if you've got zell in your party a girl will come up to him specifically and tell him to be careful so put a pin in this uh real quick this might be more of a question for the end of the episode uh, and just stop me if that's true. But where does everyone fall on where Balam Garden sits between it's cool that they're like breeding familiarity with the space to like create a real sense of place and intimacy versus they're reusing this environment too many times and it feels like asset reuse like where where does everyone fall on that scale for balam garden because it's like the fourth time we've had to like go all the way through it for some reason well this is the first time we had to fight through it yeah i suppose right i think that's that's the big difference the only thing is that the fight isn't interesting the fights aren't mostly interesting they're mostly what you'd expect to if you were just running around outside or in the training center Uh, Mm -hmm. so 
it's a little annoying. I can't remember how many spokes you have to go down. I don't know if you I'm pretty sure you don't have to go down every single one. I know that you have to do the infirmary Mm -hmm. for plot reasons and then maybe the training center. But I think other than that, it's not so bad. It it is funny, though, that it does give moments for you to interact with the students more, because like if you're just playing the game, unless you're like really digging around, you're not going to run into too many NPCs that you're going to talk to. And you do get moments of you, you get a lot of. Fallon Garden NPCs in this section, both like this section and the next bit where we're still hanging around in the garden. Mm-hmm. I did like the uh, the fake out with the uh, fake Sid in the parking lot. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah, that was very good. <laughs> yeah, I just there's nothing in the like, I don't know. It is kind of a cheap way to, you know, yeah, reuse assets. But I think in this case, the thing that is a problem with this section more is just that this tension and this sort of expectation wasn't really planned ahead so or like seated so seated so early. <laughs> um, other than the fact that we know that Sid and the faculty are kind of at odds, like we saw a little bit of that, but we didn't expect it to turn into this while we were away. Right. Yeah. It does. It does feel very jarring, and I think it's meant to to some degree. Mm-hmm. For me, remembering this game, I never got tired of any of the locales, and I wasn't really able to uh, differentiate that well between the tiredness, because the overuse of assets, I just did not recognize when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like when I do play it again, I probably will be like, all right, yeah, whatever, going through Balaam again, that's whatever. But I felt like back then, since the aesthetic of FF8 was so unique, comparative to a lot of other JRPGs coming out that at that time, like the only Final Fantasy is the only one that you could really compare to that to being a pseudo sci-fi kind of game. I never played the Fantasy Star games, so I never saw that kind of sci-fi in a turn-based kind of game like that. And the only one that I could really uh, make a comparison to at that point in my childhood was Chrono Trigger. Mm seeing the future the the near future part of that game so i was like as a child as well i have to keep on saying child i was only nine i was so entranced by all of the the vistas the venues the music and Mm. going through each of these maps i never felt tired of it as a young person i Mm -hmm. just i just enjoyed it so much that i now as an adult i am watching stuff uh, we just talked about this before the recording. I'm watching an, an anime series from the 70s, <laughs> and their use of stock footage mm-hmm. is unbelievable. <laughs> and that is the kind of comparison that I'm running towards when it comes to these games from the 90s and early 80s, all these JRPGs. They had to do everything that they could to save money. Mm-hmm. But I still feel like Balaam is a really well-crafted kind of beautiful thing that everybody could see and Mm. after this obviously balen becomes even more incredible and we'll talk (laughs) about that later in the episode (laughs) in terms of reuse uh, you're not going to get a complaint about returning to the setting from me because having gone through 
Trails of Cold Steel 1 and 2 and returning to Trista 70 times over the course of the adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is pretty okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fair. I I I mean that the reason I asked is that it 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 totally works for me be, both because yeah, we have such like egregious examples of of games doing worse uh that I still like, but also because yeah, it has a real sense of place. Like it's it's like maybe a fifth the size of Midgar uh or or a quarter if we're being generous, but it is this game's version of Midgar, the thing that we become most familiar with its architecture and its vibe before kind of like going out into the larger world. And 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 I, it's it's not a one-to-one comparison, but it it really impressed me. I was like, yeah, I'm not I'm not bored of these like same six spokes yet. And then also we get in this episode, we slowly get access to other parts of Garden. And so it like, you know, evolves a little bit, which I also think is sick. Oh, I mean, like, compare this to Galbadia Garden, though. Like, Galbadia mm. Garden is way worse than this because mm-hmm. it's all hallways, right? Like, and and yeah, and like, there's a couple of courtyards, but the courtyards all more or less look the same too. Right. Uh, and yeah, it's we don't get to see a lot of the the Trabia Garden, so that's not really a good point of comparison. But yeah, there's not a lot Compared of Trabia to- Garden left. Right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I do have like here's a a silly question, I guess. Uh, when it comes to full aesthetic value, because of what we all know from what the actual history of these buildings are at the end of the game, the the design of all of these gardens, there is a certain visual aesthetic for Galvadia Garden that makes me mm-hmm. like. As a young person, I was like, this is boring as hell. And then as an older person, I'm like, this is kind of raw. It's mm-hmm. got some cool designs. I mean, the actual level design on the inside is kind of bleh. But the actual clothing style of the people that work there, the Fujin and Raijin are like two of my favorite silly characters in the series. And I I look at that and it's got the the dark reds and it's they really embraced the militarism of the whole yeah. project a lot more than Balaam mm. does. Because mm. Balaam still does sound a lot like a school. It feels more like a school. And Galbadia, for me, when I, from what I recall, definitely feels like boot camp. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Is Trabia so. just the H&M of, like, <laughs> it's the home shopping the military factories? Of- uh we never really find out (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's the sad part trabi is the other one (laughs) the gap selfie is a redhead (laughs) and she's the representative from so trabi really is the redhead step never mind uh uh, the other thing Mm. speaking of raijin and fujin uh i just want to call them in a little bit you know um because what the fuck when we ask what side they're on and they say we're still with cypher and squall's like i don't think that's a very good idea (laughs) and i'm like yeah squall's right here uh you should not still be with cypher yeah no (laughs) no they think they're gonna power of friendship him back home yeah Not good, how good works, luck with sadly. that he's literally ensorcelled i say the bullshit word ensorcelled all the time my guy cypher is actually ensorcelled at this point i love that word i need to use it more often <laughs> hopefully you wouldn't need to <laughs> <laughs>
I can say things like my wife ensorcelled me and would be Mm. nice. Mm. (laughs) I am looking looking at art of Trivia Garden and yeah, you never see what it looks like before the bads. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sadly. What I'm really sorry. One last thing, and I I know that I'm taking up a lot of cast space here. Uh, but I also the another just like funny kind of gameplay consideration that they had to make was you don't fight any other like seeds. You don't fight any other yeah. students. Uh, you yeah. just fight monsters yeah. because they didn't want. It's like oh, uh, you know, they're cool with killing other humans as long as they're fully adult Galbadian soldiers or fully adult Estar soldiers. Uh, but like uh, other, yeah, they 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 didn't want to have to program the character models for killing literal children in the game, and so instead you fight monsters, which uh, I appreciate why yeah. they did that. Uh, absolutely, it you know um it's funny nonetheless i had to whip the shit out of entire classrooms worth of children in cold steel and i didn't regret an instant of it they had it coming (laughs) they started it running through uh trials of cold steel is basically you wearing that shirt that says i'm really close to leveling up and you like you look like just enough exp for me to level up yeah. Look, yeah. I'm wearing the anime equivalent of that shirt right now. There you go. We're yeah. appreciative. That's a JoJo in it. Poochie in this home. Father Poochie, baby. I I don't think I'll ever catch up to JoJo's. I, That's I don't know if it's I'll ever okay. Go back to it. You'll. It's okay. I feel like Look one day I must heart. just for the memes. One day you will accept the Lord and Savior JoJo into your heart. Fully. Which one though? Which one? All of you have them. to be more specific. It's a family there is, line. There is it, literally it's... no more JoJo character, or no me more me character in JoJo than Father Pucci. <laughs> See, but I want to know what that means. <laughs> Father, remember that Pucci? thing he's, about he's how I was nearly heaven. a priest? No, yeah, I, I know. I figured that was a part of it. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. He has a very Real. special relationship with God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But anyway, you don't need to go down every single one of the spokes. But when you do go down the infirmary one, you meet uh, Dr. Katakawa there. Uh, and she like treats a student who is on the master's side of the conflict. And the student's like, why were you helping me? You know, I was just fighting you guys. And the doctor's like, I'm a, I have a Hippocratic oath. Of course, I'm going to fucking help you. You're a child. Uh, Dumbass. Uh, but anyway, she tells us that. Uh, Sue knows where uh, Sid is, so we have to find her now instead of Sid. But once you've hit enough plot flags, you will actually see her uh, running down the main lobby and then going up the towards the elevator. You end up chasing her down the second floor hallway, like not chasing after her. And she squares up for a fight and says like, oh, which side are you on? And Squall's like, I'm on either side. There's a big fuck off missiles coming over here and I need to talk to Sid. And she's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Okay. Uh yeah, he's just hanging out in his uh in his throne room, you know, by himself. <laughs> Chilling out. They, they, they call it his office, but it's a throne room. There's li- mm-hmm. there's no desk there. Look, you don't name a place something like Balam Garden and give it a structure like this and a halo and then not have a throne room. This place <laughs> is the top half of a Death Star. Yeah. <laughs> 
They're, the people who designed Balaam Garden had a little bit of a complex. We'll figure that out later. <laughs> yeah, that's true. This place uh, is the strip mall from hell. It does have strip mall vibes. That's you're right. It, like there's a certain mallness to the aesthetic of the of the building. Sometimes no, your comments mm-hmm. earlier have made me realize every different garden is a mall in a different part of town, especially with all the teams <laughs> yeah. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. But anyway, yeah, Sid is just hanging out in the most obvious place because no one decided to look there. I guess, and I guess it's easier to lock up the elevator so you don't go up there, so it's safer. So he's up there and you go up to meet him and Sid is like really down on himself because it's like, man, this all blew up to shit and there's nothing I can do to stop it. I'm too And Swole goes, hey, speaking of blowing up to shit. (laughs) Yeah, about that. (laughs) Uh, Because there's some, Squall tells him there's some fucking missiles on the way and he's like, all right, all right, I've got a plan. (laughs) So he gives like, all right, here, take this key. Go to the basement. And he was going to originally, Sid was going to go help with him, but he, like he stumbles because he's old as fuck, I guess. Because I, I guess when you're in your 50s or 60s, you just can't walk two steps. I, uh, yeah. I don't know I how mean, old he's supposed to be. But I'm like, actually so looking. This is, to me, the stumbling is very Since 40. Like... <laughs> no. <laughs> fuck 40. off. Fuck off. God damn. 40 with like, like needs a hip replacement. Yeah, that it, like this, that. This is what forty-year-olds looked like in nineteen sixty. <laughs> I, th- to me, it's more symbolic of like you know this kind of uh, b- bumbling but seemingly all-powerful father figure to Squall, um, who always gives him the special boy treatment, even though he hates it. Always able to like get him out of a bunch of situations is now seeming like frail and vulnerable. And we're about to see his ass get kicked as well. So like, I think the stumbling is more squall noticing like, Oh, he's, he's, he's uh, uh, broken and small and not in fact, like the mythical. Young Sid. and virile. And yeah. 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 <laughs> I want to see the real Sid. No, <laughs> the real Sid. <laughs> The supple Sid. Sid, Sid bumps his hip into a desk and falls over. Perfection. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I get that that's what it's trying to signal. It's just funny to me because he doesn't, it's hard to, again, it's hard to tell in game how old anybody is, especially right. when we were talking Japanese, you know, medium Fucking. that aims towards teenagers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so 40, I guess. Okay, sure. <laughs> Fuck, I'm like, I'm I'm getting I'm getting there. Ugh. Yeah, I know the feeling. Yeah. <laughs> you, you guys already went through Final Fantasy X, right? No, no. No, that's, not, that's down 10, the road. Right? We'll, we'll get okay. to that eventually. Alright, well, you guys, y'all, y'all know that yeah, uh, he's like 32, is 36. Right? Oh, he's 36. Oh, yeah. okay. He's just I've 36. Years. And that hurts my soul to yeah, know. I'm 36. You're not as cool as him? Yeah, I, I'm 32, <laughs> and I'm not even close. Dude, so, so few people are. Ugh. Look, but I don't give a crap about that big spoiler that we're not going to discuss right now. Still would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, word. Word. <laughs> it would probably still work out. But <laughs> anyway, right, so he gets a key, Squall gets a key to go into the mechanical section of the garden, which 
you know, nobody seems to have gone into for decades because it is completely like, you know, it looks like it's been neglected. But Sid's like, go down there, find some shit. There's got to be something down there that's useful. And so they take the elevator down into the bowels of the structure. So, yeah, no, there's. I don't know how I feel about the Squall Sid relationship, because as we've pointed out, Squall is a special boy, but Squall is rapidly approaching the only competent student this place has turned out. Yeah. Well, Sue's pretty good. I mean, she's a little uh, uh, mercenary-pilled, but... (laughs) She's a teacher's pet. Yeah. (laughs) It's just... What is the... I guess Squall would be the ideal Balam Garden student. What are we getting as a general rule? Because we see more failures than we do Squalls. We see a woman who starts creeping on her students and gets fired for it. Uh We see a guy who fucks up so hard, he decides ending the world is a better move, and his bros are just like, yeah, no, we're with him. (laughs) And then we see some guy who runs around the background of the game so far, who you have to be reminded who their name is. Uh, And then there's there's (laughs) Zell. And then there's Zell. I will say, uh, play to find out what happens. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would say there is a reason for that, and I we can't discuss it yet. Okay, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. But it but, does seem like at this point of the game, it doesn't make a lot of sense unless you want that you know warm dad feels. Right. Like if well, you're if you're down for warm dad feels, Sid's there for you the whole way here. But if you're like, why is there warm dad feels? That's a good question. There's, <laughs> yeah, there's, it doesn't tell you anything about it. It's a very it. good question. There, there, this game is so it it it's always so matter of fact with its reveals, and then it backfills a bunch of context. But because of kind of the haphazard way that the plot action starts, where we have like a bunch of episodic vignettes, and then things slowly start to coalesce, it can feel very like, oh, this is out of fucking nowhere. And then it's like, oh, this does explain some shit. Okay, but when it first hits, it's like, what the hell? What what is this game doing? I just realized. I just had a moment of realization too. Yeah, no, <laughs> but Justin and I were like hmm. grabbing our heads, and being like, "Wait a fucking second!" Side we, we can't talk. We can't talk about it yet, uh, Justin, because we we haven't gotten to the to the reveal. Oh, though we've we've mentioned memory loss, mm-hmm. so we have memory loss, mm-hmm. and then there's Sid. Mm-hmm. So Sid knows some things. Mm-hmm. Also, just while we're discussing old men who run your military academy and ages in anime. Gotta say, Cold Steel giving me a 70-year-old war veteran who can still cut a fucking tank in half is great. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes. Van Dyke is a daddy, baby. (laughs) I, so, I think, Matt, you and I had the same realization there, but there's also another realization that I just came to in my brain this is gonna sound really okay. dumb. I think Final Fantasy VIII is the bleach of Final Fantasy. <laughs> no, it hasn't hit those heights yet with me. <laughs> I don't know enough bleach ta- to to process that. I've only watched Ble- like maybe so, ten episodes. Sorry, let me say this: uh, Final Fantasy VIII is season one of Bleach. Okay, 
it's a bunch of vignettes mm-hmm. for the first entire season. Mm-hmm. And then there's just that little bit, and then it goes to where we are right now. So so when do we get overt genocide? Because that's where we are right now. <laughs> it also true. Yes. I mean that I mean the the most recent version of the most recent season of Bleach is all about that. So yeah. they I think Final Fantasy VIII just really went like a, a lot higher on that diagram than Bleach took the entire time for. But still, I, I just that was a really weird moment for me. Mm-hmm. We, we should continue moving on from there. But wow, my <laughs> okay. I was uh-huh. weirded out by my own brain there for a second. Okay, well I'm looking forward to FF eight thousand year blood war. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so Sybil, uh, why don't you tell us what happens on the elevator? <laughs> uh, well, the elevator gets stuck because, as has been mentioned, nobody has done dick all with this for a while. So the team decides, well, I guess we don't need this key anymore and climbs down the elevator shaft where the car drops onto them and they barely move past. I, I don't result, think you can die. I don't think you can die here. I think by the time it, it's already in a cutscene, like it grabs over, but it always feels like it's about to crush you. <laughs> like, you know, you had just done the hanging thing after D district at the end of D district prison. So you thought it, it may have made you think that you could die, but I haven't tried dying there yet. Maybe I should <laughs> try dying. I'm just going to go commit glorious seppuku under this elevator. It's dead cells all over again. <laughs> Uh, Squall will give you a very blatant reminder about how elemental junctions work, because as the special boy, he knows what's coming in the script. So it's your way of being told, use fire junctions, hope you have fire equipped. Did you kill enough of the uh, T-Rexes to get more fire? (laughs) And then you mash square. It's a bad torture scene where you're opening a valve. But this leads you... So the thing about the Valve minigame is that it is technically possible. So first, Squall does it by himself. And if you fail to open the Valve, then another character joins you. And then if you fail again, a third character joins you. And each time it gets easier, because, of course, that makes sense. But it is actually possible to beat it on the first time. But the requirements of how much you have to mash square are so extreme that even speedrunners can't do it consistently. But yeah, that is one of those speed running things where it's like, can you 
beat the valve on the first try. Does using huh. a controller that has a turbo button enabled count as tool assisted? Is it tool assisted yes, at that it does. point? You're not, yes. allowed, you're not allowed to use that. Okay. Yeah, but they would. They, that's the thing. They mm -hmm. would. They would. But like generally speaking, most of the time, even if you're trying as hard as you can, you're going to need at least two people to make it make mm -hmm. it happen. We got really good at boosting GFs. Oh, yep. so we no! All learned, we, the we all learned the uh, the the finger vibrator thing. Oh yeah, you, you use the really finger vibrator thing to boost GFs. That is what you do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My wife appreciates it. <laughs> uh, until the X comes up and then start from, start from square one. <sighs> well, if you lose the mini game, you have to try again. Uh, squirt exactly. is Leviathan. Speaking of things that uh, are totally not innuendo, the team finds a large shaft on the way to the control room. <laughs> uh. hey -oh. And Squall will choose who is going to climb the ladder, but Squall comes with either way. Halfway up, it will break and fall away from the shaft, but luckily Squall has managed to break through the window of the control room and once again actually do something. He hits a button, climbs down, and the rest of the crew keep going until you get living grease stains. That's the only yep. description I have. <laughs> yeah. The, the way that the camera angle shows of where, like, the control center is and where the ladder breaks, the physics of this makes absolutely no sense. So you just have to roll with it. But the other thing is this triggers my absolute fear of a ladder falling over while I'm on it. Oh, geez. That <laughs> like, would be very scary. Like th th that moment of weightlessness where you just kind of you get all these like tingly sensations in, in your limbs where it's like, oh, shit, I just lost balance and I'm about to fall. Mm -hmm. Horrifying for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever jumped off a pier before? No, no I have jumped off of like like into um, like off of a waterfall or like outside okay. of a waterfall, yeah, yeah. like into same a thing, lake. Man. Yeah, a free jump. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, waterfall jump. jumping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, that was a terrible experience because when I hit the water, uh, I lost all my breath. It knocked the wind out of me. Oh, yikes. And, and Youf. I, don't, I didn't belly flop, which is the weird part about it. Like I went feet first, but somehow it still knocked the wind out of me and the water was so chillingly cold that by the time I resurfaced, I was already numb everywhere. Woof. Terrible That's why you experience. Jump with a partner. Wow. I was there with a bunch of people. I wasn't there by myself. But yeah, that, that makes sense. Like two at a time. But it yep. was like too narrow for like two people to jump at the same time. It was like a really small space. I'm so, being such a bitch right now. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I forgot to bring this up, but somebody, if somebody can help me recall this, are there points during the Civil War that you can play Triple Triad with people? I don't think so. I haven't tried. Okay, because I am recalling a moment in the game. I can't remember if it was this part, but it was there was significant conflict going on. Mm -hmm. And all I did was somebody had a card that I wanted and I just walked <laughs> up to them and I played triple triad with them you, for an You hour can do that sometimes. Like you, you, okay. you do have that that meme of the guy standing next to someone at the urinal, like squall let's talking to someone at the urinal and saying, let's play triple triad. Let's uh, play triple triad. Yeah, th that does happen a time or two. Uh, I don't think. Okay, I just couldn't remember if it was here or if it was at an earlier point. The uh, there's nobody here you want to get cards from, so I would I would imagine gotcha. that happened at a different time. So uh, these oil boils 
fuck that's what Christ. they're called uh can pose a bit of a challenge they use an attack called sonic wave which does uh significant damage and also causes curse uh they have a move called oil shot which inflicts blind and they also have a counter attack called uh oil blast which can uh cause a lot of damage if you go into this fight with everyone in critical status because you're riding uh the the limit break wave you can get owned really easily they're extremely weak to fire being oil creatures uh, and their health pool isn't super big but because there are two of them they can stagger the attacks and do considerable damage uh before you can winnow winnow them down to just one so really focus your attacks on one and there are you 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 don't really mug anything interesting uh and you don't really draw any interesting magic or um guardian forces out of them so just like wail on them use your fire shit also uh having someone with the gf ability uh that is a remedy without having to use like a charge of a spell or an item is really mm. neat too uh treatment um i used that a lot on the, in this oh, yeah. fight yep that's that's one of the sirens mm -hmm. after the oil boys die we see a very brief computer-generated cutscene of the missiles traveling towards the garden over the sea. The team finds an old console, and naturally, Squall has no fucking idea what to do. So, one of the other party members is like, hey, Squall, do something! And and uh, Squall snaps back to reality, oop, there goes gravity, and uh, starts just, like, smashing literally. Every, yeah, every button in the world. Uh, and all of a sudden, the turbines spring to life, and the console begins rising upward, and uh, warps right through the floor of Sid Sid's office and throne room, which uh, carries the befuddled man up with the team uh which is extremely funny i i will say in this section that the biggest the absolute biggest crime uh that just like the basic quality of life gameplay uh part of final fantasy 8 commits every time is uh having really finicky context sensitive locations for things yeah. like ladders and ledges and buttons um mm -hmm. especially with how weirdly low res the hand-painted backdrops are now because of all the remastering it like just finding the exact right spot to either climb the ladder or hit the button is can can be kind of frustrating well this one this has like a couple of the worst ones so like the little gate you have to pull Mm -hmm. I mean, it's nice that they have the little light there that says come over here, like in the in the foreground uh, when you before you get I think it's right after the oil boil fight or right before it. It was one of those two. That one I remember getting stuck on. This one is probably the worst of them, though, because it's a bit of a war crime that not only do you have to hit a very specific spot, but there are other spots that you can hit that don't move the plot forward that you could just repeat again and again and again and again and nothing happens. Yup, uh, and like this is something that i've realized there is a lot of like beat repetitions in this game and like just like last episode we were smashing consoles not knowing what buttons were yep. there too in multiple <laughs> yeah. places like there's just they seem to kind of keep coming back to these little moments and it's like you do that once and i think it's effective you do that four times in like two hours and it starts to get really tiresome especially when you have to hit a specific spot and you don't know where it is it's like poetry is it there, rhymes yeah is there a mod for the pc version that whenever one of these sequence happens you just get the sean connery voice clip of punch the keys for god's sake <laughs> no but you can make that i mean i'm sure you could put that up on steam workshop and someone would download it 
but like I kind of want that that FF7 thing of hitting select and knowing, hey, press this. Yeah. 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 I won't pretend I haven't looked at a screenshot Let's Play of this game occasionally to go, where the yeah. hell am I supposed to go? Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely understandable. So after that, the enormous ring that has been you know, suspended above garden starts to rotate and begins lowering and the building transforms into a mobile base. Let's go. You know, with the ring at the bottom being kind of like it's like anti-gravity force and it manages to coast away from its original location right as the missiles arrive and then it outruns the, uh, the blast radius and like the dust kicking up and it, it looks pretty sick. Honestly, mm-hmm. the one thing that's kind of silly about it is that the missiles don't just go down into the point. They like swoop up and then down, which doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? It it's, just looks cool. It's a, it's there's, there's a, there's like a, a force shield around it. Cause of the halo. <laughs> I guess so. Well then why were they worried in the first? Anyway, the <laughs> point being, well, it has to regenerate. Uh, mm-hmm. Haven't you played a halo? that's fair that's totally fair the first missile (sighs) is to take down the shield the second is to double tap you yep Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, however the garden's just not completely out of the fire yet because they are on a collision course with the town of balam they are just driving right towards it and again now sid's on it now everyone's like squall do something and squall's like ah ah fuck okay sure and then he hits the buttons again and then, luckily, the garden turns away into the bay and crashes into the ocean and avoids a catastrophe. Although, probably caused a, bit, a big, massive wave to like destroy all the docks. This is what I was so like. All right, the 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 Balam near miss and the upcoming Fisherman's uh, Horizon Ever Given incident are like fun but also think about the massive amounts of wildlife that were just shit housed by a bunch of missiles and an earth storm uh from mm. the garden like lifting up like like just a absolute devastation of an entire island's ecosystem just happened because we had to get out of the way of some missiles well just imagine you're you're in town you're living in town then all of a sudden the the big fucking school just starts moving and then an explosion <laughs> happens and then it almost crashes into you. Like it, there, there's a scene uh, like one of the well-directed moments is that there's a town person looking, there's an angle looking up towards the garden as it's like starting to like crowd over on top of the mm. town um, like it's Independence Day or something. Mm-hmm. And then it turns away. Yeah. Just imagine being that person and then being like, well, fuck, almost half of our economy has gone because all the students have left. Yeah. Like, oops, I guess they, they can't come in to drink anymore. Balaam, Balaam gets really into telecommerce. I don't know how it happened. It just happens that way. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they're they're going to free up some spectrum soon in a, in a few weeks. So, I mean, that'll just a whole new industry coming. <laughs> Easy peasy. Uh-huh. Yeah. The, the one thing about this that's kind of annoying to me is that the physics of this make no sense. Like it, there is a magical realism side of it. Like the, the console coming up through the floor through like a portal, like that always bugged me as a kid. And it still kind of bothers me. I kind of, I, you know, I can roll with it. I've seen it enough times, but like, I was at a certain actually point, thinking like, of a scene in the expanse when we were talking about this, because yeah, <laughs> a lot of students have just turned into blood jelly. 
<laughs> oh yeah, like and there's there are sections of the grounds that are gone. Like mm-hmm. I don't think not not so much the parts where you've been able to walk around, except for like the front entrance a little bit, but like there were probably some people who were not saved by this. Mm-hmm. Like they were at the wrong the wrong break point because who knows how this thing was designed or you know where is where's like the the limit of like okay this part lifts up and this part doesn't i because you don't take the entire thing with you but yeah i don't it's a bit silly i don't ever expect my jrpgs to be either newtonian or euclidean it's just that they don't they don't operate on those scales now does does this fall into the trope of it's magic slash or and or science i ain't gotta explain shit kind of or i mean this is very much science machinery on how the garden is created maybe it's got a nice little just a little net thing that just oh well, it scoops what's up the a- entire what, surrounding air around what's them. actually happening is all the junctioned gfs are making us forget about all of the seed students that uh-huh. have died here uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm like Irvin. I don't use GFs <laughs> until I put 80 GFs into Irvin. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, the technology stuff, they explain a little, I believe they explain a yep. little bit of who built the gardens mm-hmm. next episode. So, is it like, witches? Yes. Okay. That seemed like the only logical. It seemed like the only logical thing. Basically, they're techno witches. I don't know what else to call them. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I just Uh, thought that was a reasonable guess. mm -hmm. It's kind of true. The the scene here of all three party members looking up in unison at the incoming missiles is very good physical comedy. Also, just have to say, Mm -hmm. loved that. Yeah. Yeah. Animations are still like the secret MVP of this game for me. Oh, absolutely. And I have to assume that the remastered version of this game really makes a lot of the the visual comedy and visual drama a lot better because boy howdy nope. the Final Fantasy VIII for the PlayStation One really rough to look at. Oh, it's oh, smoother. it's rougher. Uh-huh. It's rougher to look at. Like they yeah. didn't reanimate anything, right? Uh, they yeah, just, yeah. yeah it's that's just the, thing. the rigging's the same. The, the 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 meme still rings true to me. Is you're the best looking guy yeah, in here. Yeah, and it's just. Yeah. So here's a thing that you might not have realized if you were playing the classic version. Uh, to get around limits on polygons or just make a scene feel more packed. Some of the characters are just part of the background art. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You'll discover this. It's so funny. It's so funny when it happens. So as a result. Sometimes you're talking to, let's say, a guy next to a Sid or three students who didn't get their own models and they're a weird up painting now and I didn't think you could have polygons go that way when you AI upscaled something. Yeah, yeah You can still oh. talk to them sometimes, too. That's the funniest part. They're not actually part of the background. They were just drawn as it. Yeah. And you couldn't tell it back in the day. There, there's a single pixel point that has a surrounding rig around them. That that that's the the talk trigger. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, that's just how video game design goes. My man's face looks like Goatsy. <laughs> mm-hmm. You, you can't see that on the internet, Sybil. Oh, I can, and oh. I will. Oh, oh, she I mean, said much worse j- on the internet. Justin, Justin, you weren't around when our Patreon redirect 
link was goatsyfun.me. <laughs> that was a well, thing for like a couple I'm, years. <laughs> part of me is part of me is sad that this is just an audio podcast because some of the things that are being said here are giving me like peak Justin Carroll faces. Uh-huh, Every, uh-huh. The rest of the world's missing this. Uh, I will we'll never go on. We can make we'll you the episode on, on, on YouTube. <laughs> At least not. Okay, if you make me the episode of art, I literally and figuratively cannot be episode art unless it is me doing a very deep dab. Okay. <sighs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, Fair enough. I was I was thinking of the weed dab and I was like, oh I mean that's in the you. other room. Okay. <laughs> Can you do both? <laughs> okay. yeah. but, oh, that's a little suggestive. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so they're in the ocean now. And we cut to Squall waking up in bed, and he's restless because after landing in the water, the garden seems to have lost all of its power and it's just been floating freely along the waves for several days now. They don't say how long, but like it's the implication is that it feels like weeks. And Squall wonders what has happened to the missile base team. He's very seasick. Also so two, two things here. Number one, I'm glad that he's like, I wonder what happened to the missile base team, because as far as we can tell, they've died. And yeah. so at, like jumping from that to then them waking up and be like, oh, everything's OK, would have been fucked. Uh, the other thing is, I really, really love how much Squall is starting to listen to himself internally. So he's still the standoffish you know, like non-speaking, non-verbal dweeb to a lot and like asshole to a lot of people, but we're getting a lot more of his like tenderness and caring and self-doubt about all of his teen nihilism start to creep in. I really like how slow they're rolling this, but now he's kind of like really opening up and starting to question is like, no, I, I don't, maybe I don't want to be a loner. Maybe I do care about people. Like, um, there's a moment earlier where like, Sid asks him to do something and he's got this internal monologue in his head of all of his reasons and they go from like standoffish to tender and then eventually it's just like my feelings have nothing to do with it and I thought that that was just mm-hmm. like a great great moment um, have you guys just... have you guys spoken about uh, I don't know if this is a very popular theory but uh, Squall is dead well no this is very <laughs> very much consider like connect this is that Squall is on the spectrum. Yeah, we have talked a little bit about yeah. it. Um, it's it's not my particular neurodivergence, and so I've never wanted to be like, oh yeah, Squall's to- it, that that's never felt right for me. But um, my, yeah. I could just ask the people in the other room one sec. <laughs> my uh, <laughs> my my daughter is autistic, and she's she's still very young, but quite literally, I uh, I don't want to talk about. Gundam again, jeez. Uh, it's almost like a, I have a bad obsession with this. Uh, I feel like there was discourse recently about uh, new types being space autists. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is also the case for people who may overuse GFs. Is that some of, the, some of their baseline personality characteristics get dimmed and... I feel like some of them, it's basically forcing these kids to get ready for war kind of stuff. 
I don't know. This is something I had thought about recently while I was talking to my friend about this game is that the reason he is so withdrawn sometimes makes me feel like he was being trained to do all of this. And he was a very extreme example of somebody taking all of the curriculum very, very seriously and following everything to a T. And I feel like maybe that was maybe affected him in some ways. But that's um, all theory. I mean, a game I, theory. I, you know, I think that that's it's a bit of a stretch because I feel like Occam's razor, it's abandonment issues. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. Sure. That's and like. And yeah. and like if you want to talk about someone who's neurodivergent, you have Zell right there. But oh yeah, <laughs> you know who's uh, not the same kind, but like in terms of like uh, behaviors that are like more placeable. Yeah, and, and I think that like when you think of because then what does that mean for Cipher? What does that mean for Raijin and Fujin? You know, like there are other characters that are blam characters. Yes, you know, students that have been using GFs, and you don't see that as much. I guess when you think about it, like Irvine and Selfie are relative newcomers to using GFs and they're more sociable, but yeah. I don't know if that, I wouldn't put that on anything to that effect. That feels like a, this feels a, like it's a headcanon kind of thing. It know? is, it is certainly just an idea that we had talked about. It is like definitely not my headcanon for sure. Yeah. I, he's, mm. he's a teenage edgy protagonist who has a heart of gold, very, very deep, beneath his mm -hmm. hard exterior right yeah and i don't want yeah mm -hmm. but the thing is uh, i mean also he's he's not unaware of the social situations he's in he just doesn't want to deal with it yeah like he he'll recognize <laughs> oh this is what's I happening mean, the, at times. The, the, that that is that is also how a lot of autistic people operate that's, that's uh is they're like well no i i understand the social contract i just think that the social contract is absolute bullshit and i'm not going to mm -hmm. abide by it like there's it's, a, you know there's a lot of fair. internal monologuing that happens it yeah. for me being as far as i know if i am on the spectrum i'm very light on the spectrum but I monologue everything that I say in my head before I actually have it come out of my mouth because I I have to I have to recognize I had I had to train myself how to read the room. Mm -hmm. And that's basically just a coping mechanism. So I, I feel like maybe I was imprinting a little bit on the relook at some of these characters. Because mm -hmm. when I was a kid, I definitely just didn't like Squall or Cloud, the two main protagonists of the two games that really shaped a lot of my life. I liked a lot of the other characters because when I was a kid, I didn't have a problem fitting into any kind of social situation. I was just blurting out every single thing I said, and I didn't realize when people were just annoyed at me for doing it. Hmm. I don't know. It's weird. So I, I would... I would like to get your take when you do like a full revisit. Yes, uh, like, I want to. What your thoughts would be? Yeah, yeah. Also, in asking autistic partners about this, quote, only insofar as a lot of JRPG protags of that era try to be a completely blank slate emotionally, so the player can fill that empty vessel with their own feelings. So, from an someone who isn't autistic, seeing that from the outside perspective, that's probably how it looks like autistic people are. Hmm. Mm. Hmm. Thank you for that uh, yeah. mm -hmm. input. That makes a lot of sense to me. Anyway, if Reen was in your party, she shows up here and asks for a tour. 
<laughs> and we're doing a tour again. Again, mm-hmm. ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Repeated beat. Isn't this the third? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's the second, right? Because you had Selfie. You can give Selfie the tour. I don't know if you can give another tour of the garden besides these two. There's really fine print in the seed contract yeah. that says you are contractually obligated to give anybody that wants a tour of this place a tour. It's advertising. <laughs> it's if, basically recruiting. <laughs> if you don't do this, punishment uh, punishment is dead. Who's one seed rank? Mm-hmm. It would be so funny if you could say if you could say no and it loses you a seed rank. I would, that would laugh be amazing. so hard. That would be great. I I kind of wish you could just absolutely but thou must your way out of a few of those. I'll grind it up later. I don't care. Yeah. Uh-huh. My dollars, no. This goes as well as you would imagine, because it turns out that Squall is uh, terse, and Renoir keeps trying to drag any information out of him to no avail whatsoever. Just great, you know, walking around with this guy who's constantly speaking in ellipses. This is where we eat food. Oh, really? Do you have any kind of fun times or wacky adventures there? This guy can't get a hot dog. Great. (laughs) Thanks. Like she she like even says, like, can you try a little harder? (laughs) Like just a little harder. (laughs) And eventually she just straight up gets sick of this crap and goes off on her own. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, here's another real stupid question. Did Zell just like get a hot dog once? And he's like, I got to I got to chase that high. And then mm-hmm. every other time after that, he's never been able to get hot dogs again. Well, I mean, Zell accidentally punched out an old Romani woman and she just touched his cheek and went <gasps> vegan. <laughs> uh, shame. God, we see him like just. But no, ne- never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Oh, there, man. there are there you know are what, no like, jokes about thinner that can be made in good taste. It is like impossible. Oh. I just made one. I just made fair, one. Fair. That's the only one. I mean, yeah. It just just seemed like the lunch ladies just love cucking Zell with the hot mm-hmm. dogs. I just, mm-hmm. it's really unfortunate. I love his shoulder sag so much. He's just like, <laughs> he you is, figure he he deflates entirely. Well, here he gets pissed off. Oh, not it. Not if uh, it, it here it he did not. Well, it didn't read as pissed off to me. It read as like crestfallen. But that maybe it oh. was because uh, th- that that uh, yeah, I don't know. Did, um, did you talk to him afterwards? I did. Okay, because like he does does a little god like he does like his little like fist out pose like ah I'm pissed. And he like shouts and it's like, and then he's like embarrassed by it. That's the funniest thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So the thing we're talking around a little bit is that like, yeah, at the cafeteria, if Zell comes with you to Balam Garden, he will be in the line for the hot dogs as Squall is explaining the hot dog situation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then, yeah, he doesn't get the hot dog. If Zell's not in your party, the scene plays out, but Zell's not there. So I wonder if it was because Renoa yeah, wasn't right. in my party. And so uh, Zell yep, might right. only be pissed as a performative thing for Renoa. Um, well, yeah. So, yeah. So if Renoa's with you and Zell's with you, Zell misses out on the hot dogs. He gets pissed off. And then when you talk to him, he's like, oh, hey, guys, were, were you there the whole time? And Renoa's like, yeah, we saw the whole thing. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, you know, it's just, you know, it's fine. It's okay that I missed out on a hot dog. I guess I just won't skip this meal. That's okay. okay. I do that every once in a while. Which, like, it makes it sound like New Zell lore, he only eats, eats hot dogs. And when right. he doesn't get a hot dog, he does he not doesn't eat. eat. 
Um, yeah, I, uh, I, if Renault is not in your party, you go up to Zell and he asks if you want to like join him in line and you can either be like, yeah, and wait for him and wait with him in line, but you also don't mm. get one or you're like, nah, and just watch him, uh, lose it. But gotcha. because you've already said hi to him, he doesn't get embarrassed because like, he you knows you're with there. Him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 With the Renault version, he doesn't know you're there. And then he gets like embarrassed that he like, you know is shouting about how mad he is about missing out on the hot dogs again and then tries to play it off. Hmm. Did I ever tell you about the time I got an in-school suspension for buying a burrito? <laughs> no. I think you have. This sounds vaguely I familiar. I thought I had. Okay, yeah, I could maybe on a different cast or maybe sad. before my time. I'm sorry. Well, I did sneak out of class about 15 minutes early to make sure I got one before they ran out. Okay. And then what I didn't realize is that uh, is that apparently the place I usually sat at lunch in high school was directly in line of sight of the window of the classroom I had in the period oh before lunch. So I was just the only person sitting out there eating the burrito, and uh, they caught me pretty quick. Oh okay. Now, I have, an, I have another really dumb question. I guess it's not really dumb. This is kind of realistic. If one of the goddamn saviors of the place you're living in wants a fucking hot dog, why not just save a damn hot dog for him you'd be dead he's not there yet he's not there yet he's just he's just the the, the hyperactive fuck-up kid from town he's the they, townie yeah they, they, if squall they asked, saved it. he could get a hot dog they're all in the same party he should be popular by osmosis <laughs> no, no that's not how that that's goes. not how it works he's part yeah. of the posse okay no, it'd be very funny what though squall wanted a hot dog yeah squall would get the hot dog do you know yeah, why that, because squall is the teacher's pet in multiple mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. Squall is a secret glizzy king. <laughs> if Squall he knows they're good. To, right now, he could walk up ahead of Zell in the line, just go, hey, the usual, and get handed a dog. And then they'd still be out. <laughs> no, no, no. He would go up and ask for two. <laughs> I'll be honest. I kind of need to go get Portillo's tonight. <laughs> I need me some Chicago loaded hot dogs right now. Oh, shit. Anyhow, uh, also of note during this sequence, when you head to the library and Renoir heads off on her own, you will meet the mysterious woman once more. And this time, speak to her, because Squall is starting to find his nuts. He goes, (laughs) do I know you? And she says, try to remember. It'd be heartbreaking for me to know I was forgotten. And Squall's takeaway from this is, I should know her. I might score. <laughs> oh, God. God. Squall has incredible butthead energy. Yeah, no, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Zell is the Beavis. I've never heard a more apt comparison. So, real quick, I also want to point out that if you go back to the quad where the stage is, mm-hmm. there's this really rad scene. I don't see it in the future notes where there's a lot of so number one there's a lot of really good incidental npc dialogue uh, once again like another secret mvp is how like characterful a lot of the town npc dialogue is and now they're all extremely convincing high schoolers but i love it because they're like let's keep in touch even after we graduate do you promise but it's like the day after they all almost purged each other which is incredible but it's 
rad because the song changes and all of a sudden because the quad is partially outside there's a bunch of seagull and like lapping wave noises in the soundtrack and Mm -hmm. the reason why the song changes is that it's diegetic there's a guy playing Mm -hmm. the guitar on the stage it's really neat i love these little details all throughout this game i i love how high school as high schoolers these high schoolers are it's it's beautiful there's literally a guy with a guitar Mm-hmm. <laughs> if there's anything well I've learned rendered. from the entire genre of school JRPGs, it's you can all get over whatever tore you apart as long as somebody beats the others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. There's also like a couple that is like, uh, like they're kind of sitting on the railing, looking out to the ocean and they're like, Oh man, I guess we're not going to graduate for a little while. And the girl's is like, well, that's okay. We get to spend more time together. Like, but internally, like she doesn't tell him like, no, but this is fine though. Mm hmm. Little, little little cute moments like that that are sort of around. Yeah. So, but at the infirmary, uh, during her, like, another spokes tour, uh, Dr. Katawaka will ask if Renoa is your girlfriend. Uh, I did not get this scene because Renoa was at the missile base. Uh, if you say yes, she will say, really? I will take you seriously. And if you say yes a second time, uh, he says, I'm serious. Uh, Renoa says she's speechless before Squall asks, before Squall adds, I'm seriously kidding, which then uh, causes Renoa to be like, you dumbass and facepalm. Uh, the doctor says the two of them are cute together, but then adds that uh, the doctor is like, hey, also, Sid needs to come see me. T- tell him to come see me. Um, at the end of the tour, or or otherwise, if you bummed around Garden without Renoa there, uh, a faculty member will approach Squall, uh, <laughs> who is student ID number 41269, very, very nice. close to being a nice number, uh, and tell him that the garden master wishes to see him in the master's room. Squall has no idea where that is, so the faculty member tells him to ride the elevator to level B1. Very funny that, like, oh, right, the 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 Civil War got, like, uh, postponed by a big crash into the water and missile escape, but um, the garden master still exists, and he's still beefing with uh, with the headmaster. We think, and we still don't know anything about this person. We just found out about uh, there being a garden master, mm-hmm. and so we 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 name dropped Norg earlier, but you, they don't say it earlier. <laughs> so Squall and team step off the elevator. They take the elevator down, and it, they end up in a very like. Neon cyberpunk, like almost like it almost looks kind of churchy in some ways. Like it, it's not a very it's like a big cylinder of a room, but they're in this chamber with this big ass pod in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And from off screen, Sid is angrily trying to continue a discussion saying like, hey, I'm not done yet. But he's getting like physically manhandled by a faculty member. And just like he ends up on screen shoved. Like you don't see the contact, but he like gets shoved back like 10 feet into mm-hmm. the frame. And then another part, he's like almost like lifted up by his collar and thrown to the ground. And Sid just is like pissed off as hell and says that uh, he wishes he could go back in time 10 years and just not make the deal with this guy. And just keeps calling him a money-grubbing son of a bitch, which is verbatim. Yeah. And then Sid turns around, and he sees the seeds, and goes, oh yeah, you saw all that, right? Again, repeated beat. You saw all that, right? And he admits that, oh yeah, I'm embarrassed, but even an old man like me loses, (laughs) old man in his 40s like me, loses his uh, temper every now and then. 
but then he goes to leave. He just walks towards the elevator and Squall's like, oh, right. I haven't given him my report yet, <laughs> which has happened multiple times. He's trying to give this report to Sid like earlier during like the, the missile mission. He's like, you know, tell me about the missiles. And he's like, by the way, I have my report. I can't give it to you right now, but I have my report. And so Squall's like, okay, can I tell you now? And he's like, ah, tell me later. <laughs> and he just leaves. So then a faculty member pulls the seeds over to talk with the garden master, whose name is Norg, which to me as a synth nerd just sounds like a portmanteau of Nord and Korg together yes. into a single name. Yeah. I just keep thinking of the Gorns. Mm-hmm. Uh, ah, Gorn but wedding! It, <laughs> but anyway, this guy, he looks like a yellow clay monster mm-hmm. imitating a bearded old man. And he has these long, like, you know, long, creepy salad finger-like fingers. I was <laughs> just about to say that. Thank you for making the reference. <laughs> uh, just long, droopy fingers. It's got these tiny little beady eyes. Uh, but he talks in all caps with hyphens in all of his text boxes, and he throws in random noises like like I, who knows what these mean? It's just noises. He, it's he's ono- it's onomatopoeias for Japanese-style laughter. Oh, is it? Yes. It's weird that they didn't translate it. Though. He doesn't seem happy here. He seems like it's, it's nonsense. <laughs> it's nonsense syllables hmm. in the Got katakana, it. as far as I know. So they Bushu. just transliterated it. I wanted to look it up. Yeah, yeah it was. This was one of my big questions was, what does this look like in the Japanese? Because it makes it seem like weird, like slurping fish noises to me uh, in the transliteration. Also, mm. I do want to externalize my thoughts about the speech patterns of this. We had we made up a, a vocal headcanon for him mm-hmm. where it was it was kind of high pitched, even though he was very, very large. So. All caps with hyphens. <laughs> Honestly, if you look at other people from the Shumi tribe, you, you could kind of get there. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. If you've seen what a regular Shumi looks like and not so, this guy. This is, okay. So, right. I, this is what I want to, mm, all right. Well, <laughs> huh. um, this shit is so dumb and out of nowhere. Uh, mm-hmm. I fucking mm-hmm. love it. It's just so, <laughs> like, we don't find out until later. We get backfilled the context once again that there is a tribe of like that there's like a race of people that that he belongs to, but we've only really seen humans and moombas up to this point be like the the species capable of communication and all of a sudden there is this to me he looks like um if a frog and a person stepped into the fly machine together. Um, and a candle solid. Well, no, that's you haven't seen the fly. The 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 melting skin oh, okay. is part of it. Um, okay, okay, God. fair enough. I have sorry. not seen the fly. Uh, yeah, sorry, that, I yeah. just watched the fly for the first time a couple years ago. And yeah, that, no, that no, movie he, still gets me in bad ways. Yeah, two animals stepping into the fly machine together means that there will be disgusting body horror parts of it as well. Yeah, and despite so, that, Jeff Goldblum can still get it. I know. Oh, yeah, Br- Brundle, Brundlefly still hot. Um, mm-hmm. But like, so yeah, there is this 
essentially this this frog man god who apparently is money grubbing who lives in the basement of my military school who secretly runs things from an enclosed metal pod uh like so fucking dumb i love it so much this is also yet another case where uh this game has basically been improved on by successive works because this is pokey this is mother three pokey mm Mm-hmm. Ah. Hmm. Uh, kind of. Yeah. I. It. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thoughts. Lots of thoughts. But anyway, yeah, he's hanging out in this giant mecha pod that he apparently just lives in. Mm-hmm. There's like, there's no living space in here. This is the only thing in the room, and it's enormous. So I guess this is his house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's glamping inside his own fucking base. It's a sensory deprivation chamber because that it just he needs to only be thinking of money at all times. <laughs> it's the only way he can feel. Yeah. Also, in my head, I was definitely reading this guy like the master from Manos because that's just the funniest way to do it when they're just talking about him as the master. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but my headcanon voice for him is more like this. So it's very funny that we have opposite. There's like the little high pitched voice, little guy with the big guy. And then I've got like the big troll voice happening in my brain. I yeah, think I was always job of the hut. Big old camp gay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think most of it really stems from the fact that it's all separated by hyphens. So it's loud and fast. Uh-huh. That's, the, that's the reason why I read it that way. Oh, see, I thought mm-hmm. it came out with a weird cadence because of the mm-hmm. hyphens. Like, it's all sit together where one sentence is read as a word, but it doesn't have to be yeah. fast. It's just sort of Torgo-ish that's going around. Yeah, that's kind of how I read it, too, especially with, like, the and I am Norg and I am rich. I'm rich! But the master is understandably upset as we just saw because he thinks that Galbadia Gardens master Martine has set them all up. The assassination mission was intended to be carried out by Galbadia Garden alone and Norg believes that Martine cunningly gave the mission to Balam Seeds to implicate them when it failed, which it did, leading to retaliation with the missile launch. As a result, the Norg wants to make a peace offering to Adea by surrendering the offending seeds and Sid to her, which we find out is really stupid in 10 seconds because <laughs> Squall is like, wait, what? As the person who would be on the chopping block. And he's like, what are we doing this for if we don't fight and take these jobs that are supposed to pay the bills? And Norg gets even angrier because the garden is mine, not that pathetic couple Sid and Adea's. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah. our boss is married to the person who we just tried to murder. I've got a lot of questions about this, but I'm going to have to put that aside. <laughs> not until a after lot of answers yet. <laughs> I have to put that aside until the guy who's right in front of me with a giant biomechanical weapon is dead. Yeah. Um... I fucking god. So this is this is such a funny way to lay out a a, a major twist like this as just like a tossed off aside from some dude who's trying to kill you. So 
Number one, uh, extremely, extremely poor diplomatic strategy to be like, by the way, Squall and other kids, you've been lied to and manipulated this whole time. And now we've got to hand you over to Adea. It's not your fault, but we got to do it. Um, that mm-hmm. sucks. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's hilarious. Uh, and then the other thing is, God, it, all of a sudden, the world got much smaller, where it's much like the real world, where all of the seemingly rivaled world powers all know each other and do backroom deals to in like enrich each other's power bases, but also still try to do backroom assassinations. Like it's 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 all of a sudden there is a very like shadowy players at the top are all kind of colluding even as they're trying to kill each other layer mm-hmm. to this world. But just absolute dynamite line from Squall here where he just says it as bluntly as he fucking can and says, I feel like a helpless puppet being manipulated in some major scheme, major scheme. Astute well, observation, Squall. Astute <laughs> observation. Related to this is someone who's read 600 chapters of One Piece since we last recorded. Yeah, that theme shows up a lot in Japanese media for children. Uh, Weird, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's almost like the adults can't be trusted. Almost. And if you Worse. want this version of that story that's actually written for adults, Common Writer Black Sun is now available internationally. Go watch it. Fuck I know, I yes. gotta go watch that. I gotta get back mm. up on my on my toku. Uh, that one's different, because it's directed by a guy who did ex-Yakuza films. Wow. Oh, yo. Yeah, it's some of the best prosthetics and gore effects you will see in tokusatsu for the past 20 years. That fucking rules. Yeah, uh, can't, can't fucking wait. So... This fight begins, the fight, the boss fight against Norg begins with the pod closed, and Norg helpfully tells you the gimmick of the fight up front. He's just like, hey, here's how to kill me. Or really, you cannot kill me because I have these colored gems and this armor. Um, so the pod, there are two other targetable orbs that begin blue and will turn yellow and then red. If the color turns red, the orbs will start casting high-level magic. The idea is to juggle their status by physically attacking them uh, as they are impervious to magic damage. But, like, you don't have to kill them outright. You just have to keep interrupting their sequence so they're not both red at the same time. Yeah, I think you can't kill them. I don't know if they have health. You can scan them, and they do have a maximum health. I didn't oh, try to kill them. But it must them. be really high, then, because I've it's, never killed them. No it's only a couple thousand. Really? Yeah. It might be the kind of thing where you deplete it, and it, re- and it just heals yeah. itself. Very possible. Um, I, yeah, I don't think you can knock them out of the fight completely. Okay. Anyway, once you have uh, done some damage to the pod bay doors, they break open, uh, allowing the party to target Ooh. Norg directly. Um, very first thing you should do is draw the GF Leviathan from him. Uh, one of the most powerful, uh, GFs in the game, in my opinion, one of my faves anyway. Mm -hmm. So he will, as kind of like a, uh, as like a, a hint, it's a obtuse hint, but it is a hint. He casts the water spell up until you draw Leviathan from him. And then it seems like it. Like, that unjunctions Leviathan's powers from him, and so he can no longer cast water. In Phase 2, Nord casts various uh, buff magics and uh, debuff uh, buff magics for him, debuff magics for you, uh, and also has a special attack called Psychoblast, which does a fair bit of damage, but is only single target. 
You can mug a circlet from Norg himself, uh, which uh, gives uh, Guardian Force magic plus 20%. But also, you can mug the orbs for magic up and spirit up items as well. Very funnily, when, when Norg is defeated, he says, Why me? And I am afraid of you before expiring. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like kind of like he slumps over like pretty, pretty intensely too. like they they animate it fairly well. A, a couple of interesting things. Uh, so like one of the things. Um, Norg is weak to like Norg, the body of Norg is weak to wind. Uh, so if you like cast tornado in the first part of the fight, the entire pod gets lifted in the air because like if, you, if you've not cast tornado before it basically takes all of the enemy models spins them around throws them up in the air and drops them on their head <laughs> if you do this before the the things open you lift the entire pod up and slam it down that is beautiful if you do it after it breaks open the pod stays on the ground and just norg himself gets lifted <laughs> up and slammed into the ground it's very funny what do his feet look like don't answer that uh, you know, he, he's, he's wearing norg feet pics yeah. No, uh, they, he's wearing robes, so you okay. can't really tell. Well, okay. that boy on wiki feet. Uh, uh, yes, actually. <laughs> oh no! God. Oh no! Uh, anyway, the other thing, Leviathan. Just to touch on that real quick. So, like, Leviathan's mostly focused on spirit. Like, is spirit junction standard has spirit up things, and you know, spirits your magic defense. The Interesting thing that Leviathan has is support magic refine. So like this is the way you would refine like aura spells and Asuna spells and shell uh, protect all of those. Those all come from Leviathan. Mm -hmm. Uh, So definitely useful to have uh, if you want to try to, especially if you want to just be able to stockpile auras. Right. Auras are like the most powerful spell in the game effectively. Yeah. Yeah, you do want Leviathan. And it's also like one of the few ways you can do water damage besides just casting water, which isn't a very powerful spell at all. Mm -hmm. Period. No, no. And it's funny that's the only one. (laughs) Yeah, it I I know that they eventually added the Raz and Gauze for I think 13 was the first one that they added it to. Right. Uh, This is the first one. Eight is the first one where they did Faraga and Blue. No, I'm talking so, about no, water no, to getting water updated. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. There's there's, there's water. Ga in, I don't know. I don't remember 10, but I know in 13 there is water. Ga in 13. Okay. That's what I was thinking was the case. Googling it. Me too. Uh, first appearance, Final Fantasy 10. That's so. Oh, there you go. Nice. That's the I one that broke Leviathan off in a different way and also the big spoiler. Oh, oh well. Okay, so actually, there's a there's a there's a well actually glasses push up moment. Uh, in Final Fantasy IX, a single boss used it, and so the word Waterga shows up in Final Fantasy IX, but only for one boss, the Kraken boss, and it can't huh. be learned by the players. Interesting. Interesting. Pinch ah, book. Terrible. Anyhow, upon looking into it, yes, the orbs do respawn. Uh, Apparently, their Mm -hmm. HP is ludicrously low if you're coming into this fight at level one. 57 (laughs) HP. Holy shit. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I think you do more damage than that, like, at the beginning of the game without junctions. (laughs) So that's probably why they're actually designed to respawn instantly, but it drops them down. 
Mm. And two, as a result of things we just looked up, I can now say I have seen a credit for Tetsuya Nomura on Wikifeet. So thank you for that. <laughs> it can't be the only one. Hello, it was his concept art. the only one. Pain. <laughs> it was his concept art. <laughs> My chest hurts because of this. Thanks. <laughs> This one's your fault, Justin. This one's your fault. I know. How can, how can a feet wear belts? Very carefully. <laughs> Around each toe. Oh, I could show you pictures of that. No, go. God, I, I, know I have you to leave could. this call. Fucking, this, is why, this is why computer science divisions uh, need to have ethics departments. There's a difference between could and should. <laughs> I'm what happens when uh, Twitter goes rampant. <laughs> So save all, I guess. Anyway, after the battle, uh, you see Norg's pod. It's completely broken open, and inside there's a giant glowing like it looks like a giant fertilized, like pre-fertilized egg, but it's like glowing at you. And it's just this giant orb just hanging out there, and it's enormous. And we don't have no idea what it is. But all of this new information that we have just learned is really perturbing Squall, who again says, Yeah, he's being like they're being completely jerked around by way more powerful forces. He's very confused. He doesn't know anything. He feels like he's in the dark and he's like just really losing his composure. And Renoa tries to kind of come up to him and say like, you know, try to calm him down a little bit, but he just decides, no, we're going right to Sid. We got to, we got to get some fucking answers. So Sid is actually in the infirmary. We don't like, we had been told that he was going to be sent there. So, we meet him there, and when you arrive, Dr. Katakawa is like, hey, he's not in a good shape right now. Come back later. But Sid calls from the back room and says, nope, nope, it's okay. I'm done crying now. <laughs> I'm done crying for now. For now. And Keyword. For now. For now. And then he's like, you can, you can send them in to see me. And he again says, well, I'm sorry. You just keep catching me in these embarrassing moments. Again, showing my vulnerability. But, uh, you know, go ahead, ask your questions. So the first thing you can ask, you have a menu. The first one is about giving the mission briefing, which is hilarious, because this is the most fucking dorkiest thing that Squall is like, but but my mission notes, like, I need to tell you what happened. Uh, and since, like, there's no need, I can figure out what happened. You failed. I Look, <laughs> if you don't turn in the quest, you don't get the result money. <laughs> Well, that, it doesn't work that way in this game. You get paid no matter how, whether or not the mission succeeds, as long as the contract is still active and you're running around. Uh, but anyway, the second one you could ask is about Norg. And this is where you'll first hear about the Shumi tribe. And we'll find out more about them in a side quest that we'll talk, I think, maybe next episode. But yeah, Norg is not a representative member of the tribe at large. Uh, he's but he was a guy that had the money. And so when Sid and Adia had, well, it was Adia's idea to start the garden. But Sid's like, all right, how do we do that? They secured the funds through this guy. And it was actually Norg was the one who thought of doing the mercenary gigs to pay for the operations day to day. Because it wasn't really designed to do that originally. We find out in a second, in another question, why Seed exists. So, do we know what order the gardens were built in? Not no. yet. No. Okay, we I will. Think all, I would imagine they were all built around the same time, but I don't know for sure. I don't actually know. Cool. Okay. 
again, this is one of those things where it's just like, I don't know what's ahead for me and what's, hey, nobody thought of this. All right. Right. Mm -hmm. If you ask about Adea, Sid confirms that, yeah, I married a sorceress. She was a baby sorceress. I knew about the whole thing. He's a little sheepish, but it's okay because the sorceress said there was no problem and eventually (laughs) your students might have to fight me, but whatever. Let's bone. (laughs) <laughs> you can ask what the secret of seed is because you know cypher was talking about that for a while and sit up goes i don't know they're uh they're really good at their jobs do you know the secret of sid and he points directly at the screen and <laughs> nothing happens from that it's really weird but mm-hmm. he does say that yeah you're kind of being trained to battle sorcery and last question what do we do now so it's just like uh well we're gonna float and we're going to float some more. And eventually we're either going to Titanic out or hit land. So we'll see. <laughs> uh, this. Uh, okay. The tone of this is so matter of fact expository. And there's so much heavy shit that's happening here. Mm-hmm. And I kind of hate how it all just kind of just comes out like this. But like. Gendo, sorry, Sid uh, is like bumbling. <laughs> is like bumbling Gendo. He's like if Gendo ever told his son that he loved him one time. It's he Sid. did. That's a big <laughs> thing. Two times. <laughs> right. I yeah. My bad. I'm sorry. You've just given me the idea of Gendo with a drinking problem, and oh, that's God. the funniest mental image. <laughs> Wait, that's oh, my autobiography. Fuck. What are you guys talking about? Jesus. I don't need Do I need to call CPS? Adam. That's my dad, not... Okay. Uh, I, I'm okay. just imagining him, like, slurring his speech as he's picking up the little bits of brain and putting it back in his head in the rebuild. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, I need that for later. <laughs> <laughs> but... You know, he's he's acting as as this as this father figure, uh, but is so complicit in like the mechanical wheels of why this world got fucked in a lot of ways. Um, and it's also such bullshit to be like, well, I built this PMC school as a force for good in case my wife ever <laughs> goes bad. But the guy who fronted all the money started to care about money too much and garden changed like. Shut the uh-huh. fuck up, my guy. Shut up. So... I mean, like, how else? They, like, you you think it was just going to be like a charity? Like, how, <laughs> how else do you think they were gonna, they were going to do with all of these child soldiers? Well, soon to be adults, like young adult soldiers, mm-hmm. eventually. And it's like, well, you have to make money, I guess, charge tuition. But nope. <laughs> if you throw enough child soldiers at the problem, eventually you have some adult soldiers, and then you feel less bad. <laughs> Hopefully just about as many. No. No. no sad, sadly not. Sadly not. Yeah, we, we actually don't know if anybody dies in the conflict in this episode. They'd never mention it. So mm-hmm. We never find a guy who'd be like, what happened to that guy? Oh. Oh, um, he's dead. Yeah, yeah, John killed him. I had to <laughs> yeah, bury just... him. We didn't have any shovels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just just stuck a gun blade right through his chest. Can't, can't Kiraga that. 
we're making jokes, but that is a mis- missed opportunity also. Yeah, for pathos, yeah. Yeah, for like <sighs> showing the aftermath of the shitty thing that just happened. I mean, they're still faking us out that our half of the party is dead, so. Very That's true. also true. That's true. Something that you chose, the player. Mm-hmm. And, and we haven't even gotten to the bleakest part of the plot yet. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're done with whatever this emotional dump that Sid's doing on you is, Zoo finds and tells Squall, hey, I'm going to need you to go to the second floor observation deck because you're the most competent person still standing right now, and there's a ship coming. (laughs) Uh, The ship itself looks like a futuristic junk, and by that I mean the boat, not some kind of neopenis, and it's manned (laughs) by people in white uniforms who call themselves Idea's Seed, which, again, neopenis. They ask politely to be led on board and super jump onto the deck, sort of like a neo-penis upon seeing a Dea. They ask what, for Sid. What, who, is, is that what the penis slider is called in cyberpunk? Is that what it is? The neo-penis? Or the cyber-penis? <laughs> or the seed? Or the white seed penis? Uh, you can't just give system. me all of this and then expect me not to just knock every one of these teed-up softballs into the field. <laughs> I mean, look, they did it themselves. You they, say neo penis enough, and I start thinking of neo's penis, and I go, "Whoa, I know whoa. cock foo. <laughs> I know cock foo. Yeah, that's exactly. right. I'm uh, not gonna lie. The best move out of the Twitter meltdown has been the person who was clever enough to not be the seven thousandth verified Elon Musk, but the one who went around impersonating and making dick jokes as Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yes, that was the better joke. Hmm. The Matrix 4, coming this fall. <laughs> I, I, I have a... I, what is the word? Wow. I'm blinking on it really bad. No, it's uh, whoa, not wow. <laughs> whoa. Uh, my my Twitter moniker is the, the Mecha Dad, and I guess now I just have to say I, I have to use my Mecha Penis later. <laughs> uh, mine is currently maybe the real dick was inside us all along, so... <laughs> mm. Anyhow, the White Seeds are asking for Sid, who shows up because, yeah, it turns out uh, I have a trouble radar and I know that I need to stumble into something again. They ask to take a woman called Alone with them to safeguard her, and Squall is tasked with finding her. They now figure out that, hey, we saw this lady in Windhill in the dream world. And she was a little girl. So, God, it all of a sudden feels like um, the world of Final Fantasy VIII is getting so much smaller because all, like, mm-hmm. like they're starting to kind of very casually solve a bunch of uh, mysteries from, like, the opening of the game, but they're doing it in ways that, like, interconnect everything to Sid, Squall, and Garden, essentially. And so when I was like, oh, shit, Alone is the girl from the flashback. Oh, right. She was like, we knew that she was going to be some mysterious person. Okay. Another connection between the Luna plot, the Laguna plot and the Squall plot. Uh, And then I was like, what? Such a tiny world. There are like 20 important people on this entire planet. It's great. Anyway. uh, It gets gets even funnier, too. Every single one of these characters. It gets so funnier. Every single Mm -hmm. one of these characters somehow gains Twitter main character status. Yeah, but forever, not well, that's for because Zell is the bean dad for... of this garden. I hate that. That's correct. 
there's a lot of ways to be the main character of Twitter. One of them is being really cool and milkshake ducking, which is probably the Squall arc, let's be real. And another one of them is saying no, something no, so no, no. unfathomably I, I, stupid, which is going to be what happens with Quistis and Zell and maybe Rinwa. I would say Irvine has to be the the most milk ducking of the group, right? Oh, yeah. Right? Okay. Right? He's a I forgot Irvine lord, existed. But Irvine I, is like, a good person. Ir- Ir- Irvine, Irvine I'm, an is Ir- a- I'm an Irvine apologist. He's just, he's <laughs> a giga pervert, but everything else is. <laughs> well, that's kind of a big, you know, <laughs> big mm-hmm. issue. It was the guy, 90s. guy needs to learn how to how to take a no and know when to not hit on women. It was Irvine the was 90s. only in one photo with Gislaine Maxwell, and we don't bring it up. <laughs> no, we post that on Twitter every day. <laughs> you have a bot that does it. Yeah. Oh my god. Um. So, uh, alone is still in the library. Squall begins to unravel here, uh, asking whether she knows Laguna, uh, and then if she's the one responsible for the dreams, and if the dreams are part of the past, she admits that she's the cause, which hints that she has some sorceress shenanigans going on with her, maybe, uh, and that she had been trying to change the past, uh, but she apologizes for that. Uh, Squall shouts, why me? But Alone only flinches and again says, I'm sorry. Squall says, don't rely on me, and stumbles backwards until he lands in a chair. Zoo arrives and asks if Squall is okay, and if he found Alone. Squall doesn't say anything, so Alone says, yep, that's me. (laughs) Alone walks over to Squall and whispers in his ear, "Uh, you're my only hope, before leaving. Um, Wish it wasn't such a direct uh, Star Wars lift. Yeah. Um, So... Wouldn't that be Laguna, though? He's the Luke. He, he, he Luke is Luke for sure. Mm-hmm. So again, like any bitter loner internal monologue that uh, Squall has seems to be getting increasingly justified more and more over the course of this game because he's been manipulated and lied to about his whole situation. And so when he asks, like, hey, why do people even rely on each other? They need to only rely on themselves because relying on each other gets everyone hurt. Like, you see why Squall thinks that way. Not not only in, you know, an upcoming scene, but also here, it's just like, even in the recent past, uh, he starts to get a little tender and then realizes that he's been fucked with. So I have a headcanon here about Alone, and I know it's not real, but I want it to be real. I, I was thinking about holding out on this until like the end of the season, but I, I might as well say it now. So what we know now is that Alone can get people to relive the past in somebody else's body, but you can send people back to relive things in the past. Mm-hmm. 
She's hanging out in a garden where people lose their memories. Mm. What if part of the way Balam Garden works and keeps their people functional is that they need to go and get their memories repaired by a loan or else the entire operation falls apart? Mm. Hmm. Um, like, I, I know that's not what the game is telling me is happening. She's just there. Okay, well, no. Part of me feels like yeah. that would justify her in a plot sense, both the fact that she has this ability and the fact that she is hanging out in Balam Garden where she does have a reason, another reason to be there that we find out much later. But like, to me, that makes it make a lot more sense. I'm going to say no, because this is like when I did opposite the cult and they kept all of the analysts away from the actual true believers. (laughs) You don't, you don't put GFs in Sid's head. Right. Well, and like the, 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 I think, it is already just like her presence here is already justified enough as it is because um, she clearly has latent sorceress abilities. And we just found out that Sid has reason to shelter another potential source for us, sorceress from Idea. Um, mm-hmm. And so like, it feels like she came there to go into hiding and now we kind of have enough pieces to understand why. So it didn't really, I mean, I guess you would also think that though, if Adea knows Sid, then she knows that that's something Sid would do, would be housing someone that she would need to, she would want to recruit or to like take control over. Right. And so like, you would think that Adea would just go directly to Balam garden immediately, like first move, mm. which I guess they kind of do, but yeah. like they haven't got, they didn't quite go to the negotiation side. Like who knows what, if that normally played out, if there wasn't like, the assassination attempt and then the missiles and all that, like how that would have played out. But you'd think that her first strike would have been, I need to go to Balam Garden and see what's hanging out there because I know that Sid's probably hiding something. Yeah, but she might not want to see her ex-hubbo in case he tries to like appeal to her like former yeah. good witch nature, you know? Yeah, and so she sends out her, her fuck boy <laughs> yeah. to do it for her. Fuck. Like, yeah. okay, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I, I had that, like, realization in my last playthrough, in my playthrough setting up for this season, where I thought, like, you have someone who has past powers, and you have people who are forgetting their past, and could potentially forget who they are, mm-hmm. and how does that work in the long term? How do you do a lot of GF training without losing all sense of self? And the idea was, you need someone to do that maintenance on people. And that's why Squall doesn't remember who she is, to some degree, right? Like hmm. they're supposed to know each other. He doesn't remember her. That leaves two options, right? Either that it's childhood amnesia, right? He was just too young to remember who, who she was, or he forgot her because of the GF use. But well, then again, that kind of, I that always kind of throw a wrench in, in the theory. Hmm. Hmm. I always... But it's also the kind of thing of like, there's, there's things people forget. There's pe- things that the characters will forget on this mission that makes me think of like, okay, imagine if they have to come back to garden every once in a while to get tuned back up. And while they're out there, they're getting more and more amnesia. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll I be know. real. Like I, there's a way in which this kind of works for me in terms of like the system of the garden. I'll be real with you. I uh, am pretty convinced that garden would just throw away any seeds who suffer so so much Mm. memory loss that they stop functioning like they don't really seem to be concerned with the well-being of these kids uh in a lot of ways and so that kind of i mean 
I'm going to say, wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be cool if we ran into a seed that had lost too much of their memory? We don't. Yeah. That never happens, right? Yeah. Like, you, they could have had that as part of the world building where it's like, oh, some guy thinking, oh, I used to be seed. Like, you know, how Cloud's like, I used to be an avalanche or not right. avalanche, um, whatever. <laughs> I used to be a soldier. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I used to be a soldier and people like, oh, that guy, that guy is just, you know, he's just like the town drunk or something. It's like, no, he just forgot all his shit or like forgot half his shit. And then I guess it turns into like a Vietnam War vet or veteran analog, which is a dark, but also, you know, we're talking about dark shit here. Mm -hmm. I so I was doing some reading up on this recently because I, I didn't want to be completely in the dark on some of this because there were some character names that I had just forgotten and I wanted to refresh myself so I could speak to y'all about this, but there is, uh, I can't really call this a spoiler, but there is a, a point made in the guidebooks, the Ultimania books that Alone mm -hmm. is not a sorceress. Interesting. And hmm. that she is, she's not a sorceress. And this I'm I'm going to say this and it's not actually a spoiler until you until you see it is that the there is a prevailing theory at the moment that she is the end product of high level junctioning hmm hmm she is the hmm. end product of too many gf function uh, junctions so so basically, she turned into Paul Atreides. <laughs> yeah, know, she's just started or some shit. I don't know. Uh, interesting. Yeah, that's, I don't give a crap about that as a spoiler. She's just nominee. She's a nobody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she is kind of a bit of a nobody uh, so far in the plot, anyway. Yeah. Um, I wonder what the source is within that Ultimania. I'm I'm curious. I mean, like, Ultimania books I, I would are say... generally just word of God most from producers yep. and directors and stuff. But from, yeah. from my memory, I, I don't recall there being anything that points to her being a sorceress. Because no, I, there, her character I, profile in her character profile in one of the Dissidia games in the English version called her a sorceress. Mm -hmm. ah, it was straight up a mistranslation because it doesn't say anything about a sorceress in the original Japanese version. Well, but there, it, I guess it, whether or not she is officially a sorceress matters less than to me than like the fact that there are parallels with sorceress things right. happening. And so, you know, Sid would want to protect her regardless of whether right. she so, was you know, special and needed shelter. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, she, the funny thing is that that kind of, it does kind of break a bit of the world building, like the real fundamental world building of where the sorceresses come from. Right. Though, but I guess, you know, who knows how much of that is real, and how much of that's myth. Right. Right. Um, but anyway. All right. So as we see, uh, alone leave with the white seed on their boat, I wasn't going to say junk, uh, Squall's internal monologue starts to kick in here, and he's saying, why do people depend on each other? In the end, we're all alone. I've been able to make it this far myself. Like, why can't I keep doing that? And we eventually fade to, like, Squall, and he's doing his tossing and turning in bed, and he's just thinking, like, ah, oh, you know what? Like, I, I don't know anything. Can't somebody tell me what's going on? 
I, I, I've never needed to rely on others to get here. Uh, I, I mean, I did when I was a kid, but I'm not a kid anymore. And who am I kidding? I'm asking for somebody to tell me what to do or what's going on. Like I'm already still relying on people or needing to rely on people. So he's having this argument with himself internally of, should I depend on people? I want to depend on people. I didn't have to depend on, or I didn't think I had to depend on people, but I really have this whole time. Like he's being specifically like he, he's pointing out his own hypocrisy internally. Yeah. I did not relate with this scene at all when I was a kid and uh-huh. uh, always thought that he was just a whiny little baby boy, like him and cloud were two of the characters that were just like, Oh, woe is me. And then I became a teenager and then I understood it a lot more. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And now I'm an yeah. adult and I understand it so much more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is just episode 25 of Evangelion. Shinji does this entire thing. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, God. Anyway. My sound wave when talk. I was doing this very light collapse just has just a little blip, 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 blip. <laughs> <laughs> I. As as the audio engineer in this podcast, I I, I appreciate that it's small. Yes, very <laughs> I don't have to worry. But Mars. anyway, we are speaking of small. Anyway, the junk goes away. The junk does leave. It is small compared to Balam Garden, which, by the way, has a tail now. Like it looks kind of like a bird, mm-hmm. like in a way, like like Aww. a little swallow, like hanging out in a nest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gotta shake that tail feather, baby. Exactly. It's it's how they steer. But anyway, it's funny because when they do steer, they steer with a giant. Anyway. Yes. Uh, so in the middle of this, we get a flashback of a young squall in what for a long time I thought was Charlie Brown's T-shirt. It's not. It looks kind of similar, though. He's standing like, you know, he he's at a building, like sort of looking at a, you know, there's an overhang and it's raining, but so he's not in the rain, but like, you know, he's just kind of looking out into the rain and he's talking to someone who isn't there and calling her sis, you know, little, you know big sister. And he keeps saying, ah, oh, I'm trying to do my best. I know I'm all on my own, but you know, I'll be good. You know, it, it'll be fine. And it's very sad. And it explains a lot of why Squall doesn't like relying on people. Yeah, it's extremely sad. Uh, also, um, his shirt for like being a little like eight or nine year old or however young he is is extremely hype beast. Uh, and <laughs> it I love is a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. I love that contrast. You know, someone must have made that t shirt. <laughs> oh yeah, kid with extreme drip crying in the pouring rain about being abandoned. <laughs> just yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> drip core. <laughs> <laughs> Civil just hold, held up the uh, the figurine of um, was it a specific brand? Radio MX Ajax. Mm, yeah. It is a bunch yeah. of fake streetwear designed with the names of companies from within. Like he's wearing a Longinus sweatshirt. Incredible. Wall. Wall. There is a second one that has him in a big puffy fur coat. It's pretty good. I'm not Look, buying I, that I, one, but. I can't I can't hate them. I, I think they're actually pretty rad. I mean, like, if you're going to buy a figurine, it might as well be something like that to mm-hmm. me. Like, oh, yeah. Something kind of cool. And it, it's actually some design. of the most dressed Asuka figures have been in years. Fuck me. Yeah, you're right. Ugh, anyway. So if Renault is with you, she will wake. Well, she enters the room where Squall is. He says, like, I wasn't sleeping. But she's like, all right, 
I want you to, you know, come for a walk with me. Take your mind off things. And Squall's like, no, leave me alone. I'm doing like, I already gave you a tour. And she's like, I don't want a tour. I want to go on a walk. You know, and she did like, that's this little play acting thing of like, if your highness would bless me with his, you know, presence that, and you can like choose to either play along with it and just, which she basically just says, yeah, okay, fine. Uh, or you could say, no, either way, she's going to come with you. But like, I like this moment where it's, it is a repetition of her coming to him for the tour, but really it's just, she's recognizing his emotional needs and saying, Hey, I just want you to stop thinking so much and stop being in your head so much and kind of just get out there. Go touch grass, Squall. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. If you brought me go touch grass, garden. aka me, but also grass. Uh, She's gonna mommy dom him gently. <laughs> gosh, Squall has some real uh, shitty begone thought energy in several parts of this game. Mm. It, like, it's super <laughs> shitty, but I, I'm glad that he gets over it eventually. I'm, I'm glad that the shell is like, broken, but still, I, I feel like he he. He does that to everyone, though. Like, it's not, like, specifically targeted to women. Like, he he still hasn't, you know, shook Zell's hand yet. He's had, like, three opportunities. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right. you're right. He did you know, hate Irvine just... pretty hard. And yes, and, and he, he immediately, like, said, like, oh, yeah, Irvine's a dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that guy's bad news. But, yeah, no, totally get it. Like, he's, he's still being, he's being, like, a little extra harsh, I think, a at first, because he's like, really just, no, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. But eventually, you both leave and uh, head out from the dorm. You just made me realize that Squall is Scott Summers, Irvine is Logan, and Zell is Jubilee. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Doesn't really map on the others, but hey. Mm-hmm. I don't know, who was who was desperate to... Tri- I don't think anyone's ever been desperately thirsty for Scott Summers that didn't actually get some. So I don't know what we can do for Quistus. Anyway, as you leave, the Sid turns on the now-fixed intercom, just in time to notice, hey, we're gonna hit a thing. Outside, we watch a cutscene play where a guy only known as Master Fisherman, sitting on what looks like the edge of a crane, is, you know, mastering fishing. He does it so poorly that by the time the fish bites, he has abandoned his post to save himself as the garden plows through a bunch of wind turbines. Continuing on the intercom, uh, hey, Squall, can you come up here? Because I think we hit something, and I kind of need you to fix this, so go out there. Yeah, The funny thing is, he has like a kind of a bullshit line of like, Hey, you know, I'm not just making you seeds just to fight people. Like, I want you to see the world. So go out there and learn about this place called Fisherman's Horizon we just crashed into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not like so I'm kind of just sit in my office and do fuck all and do no uh, diplomatic work at all for uh, yeah. crashing into a completely neutral uh, yeah. area. That That's not accidental war crimes uh-huh. or anything like that. The only thing that is stopping Sid from drunkenly dialing his ex, the sorceress, is that there are no phones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damn you, radio loss. God, it, this has big, like, you, your dad fucked up, like, and ended up at the wrong place, that, that, you know, on a on a family trip and just said, hey, we're just trying to be here to learn things and experience new things. Go, <laughs> go check it out. Like, just trying to spit it as if this was intentional. Yeah. 
Just don't buy drugs, kids. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I got news for you. Any place called Fisherman Horizon has a drug dealer. Oh, absolutely. It's probably me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You're just showing up with all of the Megalixers. Just all of them. You wish. Somehow this guy has Jet from Fallout. We don't know how, but he did. <laughs> jet in one hand, skooma in the other. Uh-huh. Well, anyway, that's what we're going to call it for this episode. Uh, wrapping it up, does anyone have closing thoughts on the Balam Civil War section of Final Fantasy VIII? I don't know that we could have a more bipolar take on things right now than half the party might be dead. Also, I don't think we lost a single student. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, there there are some very tonally jarring moments, but uh, 90% of this works extremely hard for me. And um, it's exciting because like we've discussed before i only really remember disc one in detail even though i've played this game in its entirety twice uh and so i like it's fun to be still a little bit surprised by things and be like oh this is better than i remember (laughs) or better than i was fearing i guess Mm -hmm. my wrap-up thoughts are i'm sad i'm not going to be here for the next episode because fisherman's horizon is my favorite part of final fantasy 8 shit huh okay the song is quite possibly mm-hmm. like it's in my top five for favorite Final Fantasy songs. Um, there's a there's a peaceful quality to it that uh, soothes the soul. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, uh, since we're talking about Final Fantasy uh, eight music and stuff like that, I do. I have to share this every single time I talk about JRPGs. Uh, I got to give Nobuo Ematsu a high five while he was running to the stage uh, at a show in Baltimore to go sing yeah. in the choir. He, wow. He got up on stage uh. and sang with the choir for, obviously, the encore is always uh, One Winged Angel. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I got to touch his hand, and I definitely didn't want to wash my hand for the rest of that day, but... <laughs> Yeah, um, I got to hear Man with the Machine Gun live for the first time, mm. and uh, I got to hear Libera Fatalis. What is is that the name of the opening song? Uh, it's like Libera Fatalis, yes, yeah, yeah. Like that. Uh, I got to hear that live. Both of those were just like formative moments for my life, honestly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Thank you for letting me come on the show and relive some of the stuff because I'm going to see all of this again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out with us. We were originally going to cover Fisherman's Horizon, and then I had six pages of notes just on this one section of game and went, hell no, this is going to be at least two hours <laughs> because that's usually what happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and this ended up being a much more like the thing I realized, like, Playing through it happens pretty quickly, but like there is a lot of little plot and character moments like peppered throughout this. Like there's a lot of Squall like having leadership again foisted upon him and having to make snap decisions and him sort of, you know, and he doesn't fumble. I'm proud of the guy. No, no, that's I mean, he's got, you know, protagonist syndrome where like the shit's going to work out. But at the same time, you've got like 
a lot of the the alone stuff comes back and you learn a lot about Sid and Adea. And like, there's a lot of like interesting threads that, yeah, do start to connect here. And then you have kind of, this is like a fulcrum point for Squall's character, right? Like he's starting to, this is the rising tension of his character growth in a mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Um, and we're starting to get a bit of a bit more of his background and why, why he is the way he is. Why are and you it's so like funny. this? Exactly. And like, it's funny. It's hard for me to think of the early parts of the game and how Squall is then without, without like, while siloing off this stuff that I know about his, his upbringing. And that starts to come out here. And mm-hmm. now that it's starting to come forward, like we're starting to see, okay, this is why he's a jerk. Oh, uh, just one quick question, because it will confirm or deny a theory I have. No spoilers needed. Does he have a completely reasonable relationship with his sister? Yes. Yeah. Okay, congratulations. Squall is the polar opposite of Reen Schwarzer. <laughs> just 100%. We've done it. We've done every detail. I haven't played any of those Trails games, but I definitely know about I definitely know about our boy Reen. Oh, there, there, there is no... Had to think about it. No incest in this yeah. game. <laughs> Don't worry. That it's I am not aware incest of. because he's adopted. That's what she and everyone in his hometown will keep saying. Well, it's like they well, took Trails in the Sky and went, you know, we actually threaded the needle here. We were intending to be extremely messy and gross. Let's let's do this again so we can fuck it up. Yeah, like like I've said before, it's like worse citrus. Oh, <laughs> or like boy. Slow, sorry, slightly better citrus. Actually, no, it is worse citrus because no, they've known it's each other for definitely they grew up worse. together. It is worse. Sorry, I I had it backwards. Like I had it right in my head, and I thought I had it backwards. Like no, yeah, I was right. It's it's they're not blood related, but they grew up together, so it's still gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's still not great in citrus either. Um, She's so thirsty. Royalty is making fun of her for it. <laughs> Well, anyway, do y'all have anything you want to share with the listeners? Uh, I am at TS underscore Roland on Twitter. If you'd want to follow me, I don't recommend it personally, but uh, I talk <laughs> for about, as long as Twitter is still there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> By the time this episode comes out, Twitter might not exist. It, it, might, anymore. <laughs> it might be gone forever and I wouldn't be too angry about that. Um, I talk about. Uh, giant robots and anime and JRPGs mostly. So yeah, it was a really great time coming on and uh, talking shop about JRPGs. So thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being here. You can find me and all of my myriad works at hellscaper.com. <laughs> um, I can't describe to the listener, the grin she has on her face right now as she, as she finishes the plug. Um, so <laughs> you can uh if you subscribe to our patreon for a dollar a month at pitch pitch drop dot cash you can hear uh icons and icons it is a final fantasy 14 games club podcast that i do with uh pitch drop co-host uh chris taylor um and we are starting heaven's word in earnest right now uh and it is a lot of fun and it's so it's like this podcast but about final fantasy 14 and it's a buck a month and i already said that and goodbye and you can listen to Boku no Stop, our anime watch-along podcast. There is a free version where we are currently covering Lupin the Third, the woman called Fujiko Mine. 
And we have our premium version for patron backers where we are covering Death Note and we're just about like literally tomorrow going to record the th- big thing that happens in Death Note. So that is going to be fun. What? You mean <laughs> swimming apparently lessons? And, and apparently there's a reset after this. I have no idea what's going to happen after after episode 26. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, go go check that out. Also, I still occasionally write uh, Yuri Maga reviews on Okazu. I'm going to have two up in the next month or so. Uh, so if you want to learn about how to be a relationship or Yuri Aspar, go check those out. There'll be a link. Hey, Matt, did you read GGWP? Uh, no. Okay, I should. I'll talk to you about it later. Okay, okay. It's okay. it's it's fighting games. It, oh, it, yes, 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 yes. Uh, yes, I have heard of this, and I've read the first volume, and I need to read more of it. It's, it didn't grab it's, me as much it's as It's very short. Ones. It's yeah. very cute. I'm also, like, I, I've hundreds of hours mm-hmm. of fighting games and being bad at them, so it hit me. Yeah, yeah. Right at the right at the right spot there. Gotcha. Yeah. No, it's definitely. Yeah. If if you like cute girls going bloodthirsty over fighting games, uh, go check that series. What was it uh, GGWP? Ladies, la- ladies don't play fighting games. Or yes. Something like that. Uh, the translated name. Anyway, that is all until next time where I'm going to reschedule things because this is now a huge mess. We're going to do Fisherman's Horizon. We're going to do Occupied Balam, and we're probably going to do some side quests. So get ready to kill some fucking Tonberries. <laughs> so many Tonberries. Peace. Bye. See ya. Ciao.